Tomahawk, my little flute benders. Welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. And you're joining us mid-conversation as Dan yeah. and I talk about our love of anthology movies. I think that's my favorite genre right now is anthology horror. Yeah. And despite it being my favorite genre, there's there's like so many that I hate. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many that I think are terrible. But maybe that's like I'm not heavily critical of anything yeah maybe that is proof that they're my favorite is that I have sort of a high standard for them I I literally just came to the con- we just watched um uh, slumber party massacre one, oh man one I and two yeah, yeah. Uh, they're on now right yes they yeah. are the third one is not which I would like to oh, see good. now as well um the second one's insane and I, I guess we're talking about but just like pure insane basically I might watch one of those today I have to do laundry after this the first one rocks yeah and the thing it made me realize is like I just fucking like slasher movies oh yeah like I've gotten really into horror over the last few years but the thing that I realize I end up talking about the most and gravitating to the most is monster movies and slasher movies yeah those are like the two big genres for me like within horror that I just like I will love any of them and and the weird thing is, it gives me the same thing that you're talking about. I now have a high standard for what a good slasher would oh, be. Yeah. And it's such a strange thing to have standards for. And I also like every single one I've ever seen. Yes. Do, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, we talk about all the time, uh, both huge Friday the 13th fans. Yes. Very few of they those are movies good are movies. good. <laughs> but they're the best. They're the best. I love watching they're them. so much fun. Yeah. I just got that. I spent the fucking money and yeah. I got the Friday the 13th Switch game. Oh, you did? I did. How, have you been playing it? I have been playing it. Is it and great? Like, it's it is a lot of fun and yeah. it's good. It is one of those games that is frustrating yes. because not all the kinks have got worked out. Yeah. And I think due to licensing issues, it's never going it's to never be. going to. Yeah. But online play is a lot of fun. Yes. I actually prefer playing as a uh, as a counselor rather yes. than Jason. You're like trying to survive. Uh, it's really, really fun. Yeah. You gotta like build a phone and call the cops and <laughs> run to the cops. But like he morphs and, and jumps. Yeah. So like you could be hanging out and then Jason just like pops up and you're like, fuck! <laughs> he starts shattering your head against yeah. the window. But like you know, then there's Jason missions, which are cool. Yeah. And the thing is, the whole time, I'm like, these controls are fucking garbage. Yeah. I can't really see anything. The yeah. lighting's weird. Yeah. God, I love Jason. This is my favorite <laughs> yeah. thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And it's it's so emblematic of why I love Friday the 13th. Uh, I might buy it, too. It's Honestly, I would be willing to say that if you give it, like, three months, yeah. it's probably going to be $5 yeah, rather than yeah. fucking 40 Yeah. But uh, I'll bring my Switch. You can play it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, I Because w- I would love to play fun. that. Yeah. And, like, every time you kill a counselor, Mrs. Yeah. Voorhees' audio comes up, and she's uh. like, yes. Jason, you must kill them all. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> Dude, I would I think about this all the time. Like I really love RPG games. I know you're not like crazy about those, but I, I love being able to like build a character and like when I do things, I level up my skills. I I think that there is like it like a lot of money to be made that they don't know they could be making in things like a Friday the 13th RPG. That would be cool. I would play that. As you play, as you kill more counselors, you level up and you get like more skills and you can like... That sort of happens in this. Yeah. The more and more you play, the more Jasons you can unlock. Yeah. Each of them has different skills and each of the skills are upgraded. See, I like that. That I'm really into. Like the first couple times I played, all I could do with Jason was either hack someone with an axe or you can grab them and lift them up. Yeah. And then you hack them with the axe (laughs) and then you put your foot on them and pry the axe out. (laughs) But then I leveled up, and the next time I did it, I picked a guy up and walked over to a cabin. And because I was next to the cabin, I then shattered his skull against the wall of the cabin. Oh, my God. 
Um, that sounds awesome. The last power-up I got was yeah. really gruesome. Yeah. I picked up like a cheerleader-looking lady, and he lifted her up, and I didn't even know I was doing it. I'm hitting the button to like hack her while he's lifting her, but instead he just crushes her throat in ah, his hand. It's fucking ah, great. It's so great. Okay, so they made the game I'm talking about. It's perfect, yeah. but it's so imperfect. Yeah, right? yeah, it's, yeah. I've heard it's got a it lot of It could be designed... It could be knocked into shape with yeah. a little bit more uh, yeah. work, which I think was the plan for that game. But yeah, that happen. licensing issue with the the franchise kept insane. it from from having any more updates. They talked about the next one being a found footage one, like a decade ago. Yeah, I remember that. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, idea. I don't know if I am, but I get why. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I that's the thing is that's a very big crapshoot. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Because that is they're all of a piece and of yeah. a brand. Yeah. And slasher and found footage hasn't quite met out. I mean, in VHS it sort of does, yeah, but so, yep. they did the they do something with the tape itself yeah. as a character, so yeah. it's a little more. But just a slasher that way is gonna be tough because slasher's biggest problem is why aren't you running? Yeah, and found footage's biggest problem is why aren't you running and why are you filming? So that's a tough call. But I really want to look at that. And I just realized there is actually one example, and it's so good it might be the reason not to make more the mm. creep movies. Yeah, the creep guess, movies yeah. are kind of found kind of footage slashers. slasher movies. Yeah, like kind of slashers, kind of found footage. But they're very not of a piece yes. of what Jason movies Agreed. feel like. Agreed. So like that's tough. Yeah. But I just want another one yeah. so bad. That I last know. reboot was like really fucking know, gnarly. Yeah. That was cool. I wonder how you do that too. Like, is I don't even know. I just don't know how you make like a found footage Jason. Movie. The only way I could think to make a found footage yeah. Jason would be if Jason X, exactly as it were, were found footage told through security cameras. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But even that feels like you'd be stretching it. What if you made a movie where, like, somehow Jason got, like, a body cam on him, and mm. th- and then the movie is from, like, the Jason body cam perspective? That would be cool. You would, uh, you'd probably have to leave found footage at points yeah. to get to the victims. Right. Because, like, the Jason movies, yeah, we're there for Jason, but yeah. there's always some deeply valuable and immediately disposable side plot of the counselors or the daughter with her psychologist dad that I love so much. Could um, we assume, though, that maybe Jason is watching these counselors more than we think? Right? That'd be kind of cool. But then it's like, I, I still think it's like, that does make for an, probably, that would be very hard to execute, yeah. right? Well, Where, flip the script, there could be a way for Tommy Jarvis to be documenting oh, that's something, bring him back. Yeah. But even that, like, I almost don't want a Jason movie to become self-referential. I know. Um, to I, be the reboot like that. But I'll tell I you know. what, though. If you, if you got uh, Feldman to come back oh, and, re- yeah. and reprise the role of Tommy Jarvis, Ooh. if it were Feldman making his own YouTube it. series about going back to Camp oh, Crystal Lake. That's a good idea. Do you know what I mean? Where, yeah, he's, yeah. where he kind of gets to actually a little bit play himself, but as Tommy Jarvis. And yeah, it's yeah. like this... This this guy that has just fallen on really hard times, and so he's doing whatever he can to try and make a buck quick. <laughs> he's in a he's in a weird band. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like Tommy Jarvis be, and the Jarvis. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe there's something. I there. could see that. I yeah. could definitely see that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, at the same time, I just would love it if they just did another like these horny camp counselors are in need of some stabbing. Yes. And guess who's here to do it? I know he's bigger than he ever was. He's yep. covered in moss and yep. he's got an axe. Great. I, I'll tell you what, we rewatched the remake one recently, mm-hmm. which is very good. I like that movie a lot. The characters that you start the movie with, they ultimately pull a very good punchline with about 30 minutes into the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're all gone. They're all gone. They're way better characters than the one you end up spending the movie with. Yeah. I, like, just make a like make a sequel to that movie that is I don't know somehow uses those I just like those characters way more than the other characters. Here's a pitch. Yeah. So what about this? Screw getting a full length Jason movie. It's yeah. never gonna happen. Yeah. Jason shorts. Oh, I would love it. 
because that's essentially what all these movies yeah. are yeah. is you know shorts with this connective yeah. tissue of yeah. uh, telekinetic girl or whatever yeah but uh then you could do a found footage with Jason has a body cam. You could also, you just came up with a great way to just do a Jason versus series. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Have, Jason have it, shorts. Yeah, just a bunch of shorts where he's like fighting different, you know, and you don't have to, just like they did with the seventh movie, you don't have to use the actual properties. You don't have to call her Carrie. Yeah, yeah. You call her Telekinetic yeah. Girl. You call him a, a, a Dream Demon Man. Uh, yeah. You, call, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> just stuff like that. Dream Demon Man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the name of like a like a the Strokes comeback album. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Dream Demon Man. Uh, uh, Needlehead. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Needleface. Needleface. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Mayers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Cabbage Patch Kid. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I even have how Jason gets the the GoPro camera on him. Okay, you ready for this? He uh, a cop is like, all right, calm down, sir, whatever. Yeah, and he just you know punches a, the cop's heart out or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then he notices as he's you know he tilts his head or whatever, yeah. Michael Myers style, and notices that the cop's body cam corresponds with like a screen in the cop's yeah, car. Yeah, and he sees that, sees himself moving. Yeah, and then takes the body cam and just puts it over his mask. Oh, love it because Jason kind of does those yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah. things. He yeah. has a little bit of a sense of what's he's going a on. Curious child. He's a curious child, yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that would be his thing. And then, yeah. boom, kill a whole bunch like of people. Uh, well, welcome to I Like to Movie <laughs> yeah. Movie, podcast about movie movies. Would you like to guess what movie we're going to be talking about? Uh, I bet you can't. Well, you saw the title. <laughs> yes. And I think we actually, for once, announced it ahead of time and accurately have now fulfilled yeah. on that promise. Two episodes late. Yes. Which, but, thank you guys for being patient yeah. with us. I was out of town for some time. And, summer uh, schedule, baby. Summer schedule. But we are uh, committed to be back to a regular release. We're in the saddle. Yeah, we're in the saddle. We're back in the saddle again, like that song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grandma got rid of a bear reindeer. <laughs> yep. That's you know the one. The one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, all over the internet at I Like Two Movie. It's in America too. And uh, look us up on iTunes and leave us a rating and some comments and uh, let us know what movies you want us to talk about or uh, themes you'd like us to talk about. Whatever. Because today we're doing Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I think is going to lead to quite a bit of just uh, extracurricular Tarantino talk. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is a movie that. I mean, what's weird is I don't even want to call it divisive. The right. narrative says that, but it's not. Because I don't it think seems so. that the general response is you either love it, you don't love it, or you're somewhere in the middle of yeah. it. <laughs> like, yep. That seems to yeah. be the thing, but there is a, there is a, a high energy response to new Tarantino. It also seems so like there's... A, it's excitable. It is excitable, and it seems like there's a lot of, I would say, appreciation for this movie. I, it, it maybe is not as uh, instantly beloved as mm. some uh, prior Tarantino movies. I but, think um, that will change with time. I, too. I think it'll grow, but I'll tell you what, I think it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I was really blown away by it, yeah. and I think that the biggest uh, compliment I can give it is I usually get... Uh, on average a movie in every day every other day uh -huh. just because that's what we do you yeah. know and after i watched once upon a time in hollywood for the first time it was a solid week before i watched anything else that actively is a pretty good measure because i was like i just couldn't stop thinking about it yeah. i couldn't stop loving it i'm like what movie is going to tickle me right. and leave me with more entertainment glow than what i already have yeah so i was i was really into it what about you i really liked it uh i definitely d probably didn't like it as much as you did but I am Tarantino is one of my two time guys. I need to see a Tarantino movie yeah, twice yeah. before I really fall in love with it. Like even in Glorious Bastards, which is now probably my favorite of his. Mm. Maybe Kill Bill, I'm not sure. It wasn't until the second time I saw it that I really fell for it. The first time yeah, I was yeah. like, Yeah, that was interesting. That was good. That and happens for me a lot with his stuff too. And it and honestly I didn't think it happened with this. And when yeah. I watched it a second time, it was like it, it just 
confirmed like oh i was right i feel really yeah. good about this yeah. and uh, so i have a feeling a second watch is going to make me a little more uh, i will probably fall more in love with it um because i did this is by the way i'm just underselling my opinion of it. i did really fucking like this movie and it's a lot like watchable yeah it's super watchable i like i just really like these characters uh and even though i kind of agree with some of the criticisms that it's a little bit of a shaggy dog of a movie um i just like i mean and you know me i'm not actually a big hangout movie person yeah, yeah. that doesn't always do it for me in this case it really did uh and you had asked me to rewatch Jackie Brown before this episode yeah, uh i watched that on the plane and that What's weird is that movie was considered the slow Tarantino right. because we were all 15. Yeah. And we were like, well, there's like a couple minutes right. of violence, but what the hell, man? Right. I watched some people get shattered. And it does deliver that sort of, but it was it just has that reputation. And now in a post Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like I really, I, I will say it has that reputation, but it also has the converse reputation. A lot of film nerds go, that's Tarantino's best. Right. He has never topped Jackie yeah. Brown. And now that I've seen it a second time and post Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm much more in that camp of like, this is damn good. I, for me, it would sit like right in the middle of his filmography, probably, mm. even seeing it again. But seeing it again, first of all, I, I like liked it a whole lot more than I did the first. I saw it in high school and was like kind of bored by it. Yeah, seeing yeah. it again, I was not bored by it. I was like really into it. And again, performances, like that's the thing I end up like loving the most about Tarantino movies the performances are so fucking good. Oh, yeah. They're like really fun characters to spend time with. And he gets like, I mean, he's he's in a position where I think he writes to a casting. Um, and he sort of even did that back in the day, as I understand it. I think so. Um, but at the same time, even when he writes and maybe doesn't get who he casts, I think he's like a good actor's director. Yeah. In term and the the irony being every director, every actor is, oh, I'm an actor, but I really want to direct. He's kind of the opposite. Yes. He was a dude who always wanted to act, and it just turns out that he's a savant about being behind the camera <laughs> yeah. and in front of the camera not so much. Yes, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, such is his curse of, of being yeah. brilliant in a way that's, you know. Well, but, and we'll t we can talk more about Jackie Brown, but what I wanted to say kind of relevant to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just like, I actually totally get what, and I don't even know if this is why you told me to watch it. But I get where these two movies are um, worth kind of comparing to each other. Mm -hmm. They're both hangout movies. Yeah. Way more than any other Tarantino movie, I think. They're both like these very languid. They're very plot light. Yes. And the, and you just spend time hanging out with characters and learning about their... The plot is their relationship to yeah. each other. The, the, the plot is just watching these characters relate to each other. And then as more plot-like things happen what those relationships actually mean, you know, how those relationships yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of determine the action. The best part about Jackie Brown is the way that Robert, Robert Forster He's and so uh, Pam Greer, their chemistry that yes. simmers, yes. and it's like sexual but not. Yes. Uh, uh, honestly, you never get the, a feel as to where she lands on that. Right. But, you know, that He's spectrum. enchanted by her. Enchanted by yeah. her. But what's weird is it's an innocent enchantment. Yes. And it's one of, you know, eh, I'm probably not so lucky as to get a lady like this, but I am lucky enough to spend some time around yes. her. Like that yeah. kind of thing. He yeah. has, he's got that kind of thing yeah. about him. He's a Chicago guy. He's a Chicago. Uh, I was watching, someone posted on Twitter uh, a video of a guy rescuing a wild fox that was lost, <laughs> uh -huh. but they were like, man with a thick Midwestern accent rescues a wild fox. Yeah. And it's, it's a 
heartbreaking video because the fox is so scared, but he's he does rescue and relocate it. But the whole thing is just him like, all right, little guy, what's going on? <laughs> ah, Christ, I wish I brought my gloves. I'm not trying to get bitten by your ass. And But he's like really That's soft so and just, funny. ah, what a cute little guy. You don't got to be scared. What happened to your folks? Were they, uh, <laughs> where, did, did you lose them or did they die? What's, uh, we'll get you <laughs> to a safe place. But it, it's, it's so good and he's not doing a bit. It's earnest uh, and, and warm. It. I must have watched it 10 times. I love it. But I'm picturing Mick. Yeah. Cherry the uh-huh. entire time. Yeah, the, there's a. Uh, I mean, the Delphonics. Okay, <laughs> dude, this is a super nerdy thing. To, but uh, I watch a lot of Minecraft videos on YouTube, <laughs> and one of the guys that I watch has like a thick Chicago accent, That's amazing. and it is so funny to me. Look every at this. Time. I built the Tower of Babel, dude. Every time he's like, "Hey, welcome to Minecraft." It's so funny. That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a good accent. And it's yeah. one that I even said this when I wrote up Jackie Brown on Letterboxd. I can't mention Max Cherry without going, yes. in, I, without going into it. He's I have Max a buddy Cherry. named Frank. And Frank, I know you listen to the show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Frankie is what we call him. Frankie. And he is from like Chicago, Ohio area. <laughs> and anytime he's around, we're always like, hey, Frankie's in the house. What's <laughs> going on, buddy? You're the best. Like, <laughs> yeah. It never goes away. And credit to him, it like doesn't bother him <laughs> at all that <laughs> right. we're. Like if if we were doing it to anyone else, it would yeah. actually be like pretty offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just nope, he's just too Chicago. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> but I forget the point. But Max Cherry oh. is like his character relationship with uh with Jackie Brown is so good that the plot I'm not worried about them getting away with right. this heist or whatever. I'm just going like, oh, what does this mean for them personally? Well, it's all, you know, insane. This is great because I'm actually realizing there's so many parallels. This gives yeah. us a great opportunity to talk about movies because the, the, the reason I think I thought Jackie Brown was boring when I first saw it in high school, literally like an hour of that movie goes by before you really even know what the plot of the movie is going mm-hmm. to be. You spend a lot of time just kind of getting to know the players mm. and never really knowing what plot is kind of like emerging among them. It takes like almost an hour to really start those machinations. And then even when it does, the whole point of the movie is that we never really know what Jackie's plan is. Yeah, nobody gets really explaining because right. they're all protecting from one another. There's like a couple dual subversions of the heist going on. Right. And the only reason we can follow the plot of that is because we understand what that character would do presented the situation. Exactly. Because like you said, uh, with Jackie, we don't know what her end game is. No, exactly. But the whole time I'm watching it, I'm going, what is she pulling? Right. I don't know if she's going to screw everybody over, but I do think she does legit care about Max. Right. Yeah, and, and I think... I think she yeah. knows what she's doing. She spends some time acting like she doesn't, but I think she always does. Mm-hmm. Like every one of these choices is deliberate, but I don't know why. And then, and then, especially because she, a lot of times, she's like telling the truth, and you're like, "Oh, I would have thought you would have lied about this yeah, yeah, yeah. to the FBI." But instead, she's giving them exactly the information you would think she'd keep from them, and then and just that. Yeah. And then what becomes interesting are the small details that she leaves out, or the little lies that she tells. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's very interesting watching all that unfold. And so I could kind of see my seventeen-year-old brain being like, "I don't know what this. I don't know what this movie is." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I can't. I can't get into it because I don't oh, know what it's I'm, based on I'm a doing book? here. Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know what I'm doing here. So like, I can't. You know. Even when she, uh, in both times that I that I, re- I mean, I've seen this probably four times, mm-hmm. but the two times I remember are the first. Time Time and then last week, yeah, yeah, and I remember both of those times having a the thought of when she leaves the bag with the actual money in the dressing yeah. room. I'm like, 
Why are you leaving that? Yes. This, this is the end of the plan. Right. This is the end and game. What are you doing? And then we find out 20 minutes later that it's not the end of the plan right. and that there's more to it. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. That takes a lot of trust in your audience. And I think that Tarantino is a director that could fairly be accused of not placing trust in his audience in terms of like Kill Bill is written out. The only thing yeah. vague about that is we are out of order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Inglorious Bastards has so much of people explaining exactly what's going on yeah. to everybody. Yeah. But... In both of those movies, there's, there are examples that he doesn't get credit for of trusting the audience. Yeah. And I think Jackie Brown and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are two that he places all of the trust yes. in the audience to just follow. Because um, that's the Not because it's hard, but because this is not a pace that I'm going to be hitting you with. Yeah. I need to invite you into the movie, and you have to you know enter it at your own pace. Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's uh, Once Upon a Time is a similar story of just like, we move from character to character. We don't necessarily know why or how they're connected to one another. The plot of the movie is not really clear until we're kind of deep into it. And it doesn't even really become clear in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until literally the last act of the movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, which is, it to me, but to me, every scene is so entertaining in and of itself I'm fine. I'm along for the ride. Like I'm mm -hmm. in. I'm fine. That, that's, that's what I found the second time yeah. around. It was like, okay, where, where's my pee exit? Yeah, yeah. And then it's one of those movies where every scene was like, oh wait, this is a good scene. It's I really want to check this yeah, out. Yeah. Oh, it's this scene. Yeah. And I kind of feel that way about almost every scene he's ever written. Yeah. Every. I mean, I think a couple of his movies do have shaggier moments, yeah. but like for the most part, Tarantino is a director that every movie. If it's on and I and I decide to engage with it, I'm yeah. gonna end up finishing it because each scene is that one, that yeah. one, that one. Th this one to me feels a little shaggy dog, and I I hate that I have this extra information uh, in in this case because it's a little unfair to judge the movie on this, but I do. It's like out there. He supposedly has like a four or five hour cut of this that he's gonna release like mm. on his own, like maybe on Netflix or something, just yeah, like yeah. he did with Hateful Eight. And that makes sense to me because this movie does feel a little shaggy. It feels like there are tiny threads that he pulls that then I don't know where they actually, I don't know what their relation is mm. to the full movie. Can you, you know think of I mean? any? I'm curious. So, about like, this. a lot of it is the Manson family for me. Yeah. yeah. Is where there, it feels like there are some threads there where, like, the character of Tex feels like there's something going up where we're given enough of Tex mm. that I feel like by the end I don't then know why I have that much of Tex. Tex was uh, a little bit of a, of a Manson family scholar. I'm, I love this stuff. I, I am not, but, but that I'm is also, interesting I'm you say that with because him. Tex is... like Okay, Manson's the, the ringleader right. and all that, but Tex is the one that regardless of having been given a command or not, he pulls the trigger. He and He's, he's the one that gets it done. He's the, he's the muscle that is crazy and doesn't need someone to trigger yes, him yeah like he's manson's a crazy guy right. but one of the things that's so interesting about manson he's very little right he's a tiny little man yep. and he's just like a tiny little troll man yep. and that plays into his personality yep. the way that you know he's a little chihuahua yep. you know he's got like that that little little energy I, I i'm i would say i'm fairly manson ignorant but like i'm literate enough to get what he's doing with these like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was familiar with who tex was why I was seeing him on screen, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there's enough characterization to text in this movie where there's none to, let's say, like, Lena Dunham's character, mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah, I get why there's no characterization to Lena Dunham's character. I don't need it. Mm -hmm. We get enough of text that I'm like, I wish I got a little more, or, like, a little more why on the text yeah, yeah, of this yeah. all. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but I also... See, like... I don't think that's invalid. That's the funny thing. This is one of those movies yeah. where I have yet to see a criticism that I was, wasn't I like, eh, I, I agree. That. But 
despite the fact that I think it's beyond perfect. <laughs> but that is one that would you throw the same criticism at the characterizations of some of the SS in Inglorious Bastards? Because the, the follow up to that question is both movies lean on a pre existing knowledge on the part of the viewer. Yeah. Granted, uh, you know, Nazi Germany is something that I think everyone collectively has more knowledge about as opposed to the Tate murders. Yeah. So is that fair for him to just put that same trust into the audience to know that here? Or should he have taken as a storyteller into consideration that that a lot of people haven't and written to that? I actually like I Does he have a responsibility to do that? I don't know because I hear your point, but I do I feel like I'm actually uh I would like to characterize my point slightly differently than that. Because yeah, I I hear it. what you're saying, and I agree that it's like uh, he, he, the reason he can tell Inglorious Bastards the way he tells it is there's an assumption that like you understand Nazis are villains and how they're villains. He's made this movie in the same way. You understand that the Mansons are villains and how they're villains. Mm-hmm. When I agree, I don't know that necessarily it's... There may not be as many people that know that enough about the Mansons. I keep calling them the Mansons. The Manson yeah. family as they do Nazis, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There's definitely a divide there. But, so, that said, I agree. It's, like, fair, I think, for him to treat them the same. Yeah, yeah. I would like to characterize my point as more, with Tex in particular, I don't necessarily mean I needed to know more about the Manson family. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he gives Tex enough screen time that he then does not do much with Tex. Like, I want to know why I, ha- I have that much information about Tex and that much characterization of Tex. Mm-hmm. To then not really utilize text beyond just like, yeah, he's one of the Manson bad guys. Oh, this is one do of you the know things what I mean? that I do know what you mean, but I'm going to counter that because I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. And I think that this punchline would be served better if there were more information up front. Yeah. But the usage of text that I like is that text is supposed to be like, he's the aggressive outsider. Yeah. I am not into this Hollywood bullshit. I am the outsider. None of that fucking matters. And then when he see when he has a run in with uh, Rick Dalton, when he yells at them to get out of a, he's the one that's like, that that was Rick Dalton from from Bounty Law. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my God, true. we just yeah. I can't believe the that's guy, true, the drunk guy that yelled at us yeah. is, is from Bounty Law. Yeah, he's immediately starstruck and totally knows Bounty Law. Yeah, that's really funny. It is funny. If we had more aggressive uh, showing who Tex was and that he's like trying to be countercultural as yeah. hard as possible, would that have worked? Yeah, I don't more know. More as a punchline for yeah, you? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe. maybe even just a second viewing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Because like to me, it's like the little girl who also doesn't really play into the, the larger plot or whatever. She works for me where it's like, we get a lot of her, and it makes sense why we get a lot of her because she's this very which key, little girl the 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 little girl the that, actress that Rick is oh, sorry. is acting next the to. actor she doesn't like yes, the term right. actress yeah, because yeah. that's nonsensical yes yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, she's great and I get why she's in the movie like her the way the scenes that Rick has with her are very important to what we're to understand about Rick mm-hmm. so she makes sense to me as a person that I that I have all of this screen time with and I understand so much about. Because she is important to like what Rick ends up going through in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I felt less so about Tex like that. But now that you're saying that, it's like, no, okay, actually, Tex is like a there now I you're right. I, you're, he's he's pulled through the thread, I think, enough. He's pulled through enough, but I bet that director's cut probably has a couple more moments. I would think with Tex. so. I would think I think so. might even have a moment that would probably be extraneous, but I'd like to see in the form of a deleted scene of Cliff and Tex. Uh, having met prior, yeah, because t- uh, Cliff is leaving when Tex finally arrives after right. he beats the guy into fixing his tire. Yes, and uh, uh, 
yeah, if they had like a moment of of better recognition when yeah. they finally do come to blows later. Well, there's there's uh, to me there is obviously a lot of Charlie Manson himself on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Oh yeah. There, there's scenes in the trailer that are not in this movie that indicate, and it could just be crafty editing on the trailer's part, but indicate that Cliff and and Charlie actually uh, yeah, interact yeah. at some point. I think though, I kind of like that Charles Manson. I, I actually is in one moment. Wholly agree with because, that. and we'll get into the thematic work later. But I'll, I'll I'll put a pin in it here by saying one of the things that I really really love about this movie, and I think the thing that sticks with me, and also, you know, if Tarantino were to end his career here, I think this is a great way to do it, is that Manson is this big, huge, gigantic myth, so big that he squandered and and preemptively cut short the potential myth that could have been Sharon Tate. Yeah. And this is his, he's flip-flopping that. Yes. He's making Charles Manson so diminutive, yeah. making the family so absurd. Yeah. And making Tate like, this was, this was a chance for, you know, she, she is known as Tate, murder victim. Yes. Uh, Tate, Polanski's wife that's yes. dead. Yes. And it's like, there was actually an opportunity for her to be Tate. Yes. And that's it. I agree. I, I, um, uh, I, you know, I, I guess credit where it's due for, for me. I like, I had not thought that much about that. And I listened to an episode of the slash film cast. Mm. Um, and I think I listened to that. They had a guest yeah. on, was it Anya? <laughs> oh, what's her name? Um, they had a guest on who is like, you know, a, 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 a more like you, like a Manson obsessive. Yeah, yeah. And, and her thing was like, Sharon Tate is known to the world as a victim and this movie she gets to reclaim her legacy mm -hmm. through getting to survive beyond her victimhood basically mm -hmm. which is so fascinating to me that's really interesting I saw somebody else on Twitter say that like the last like three or four Tarantino movies have basically been about like reclaiming American history mm -hmm. uh, have sort of been about like hey American history is mostly fucking dog shit if we were better this is how things would have gone yeah, yeah, yeah like if we were the nation we claim to be this is how things would and should have gone. And it speaks to the idea of just like, what we know as history is is the story that was repeated enough to yep. have become history. Yep. Um, every piece of historical fact that we know has an undercurrent of mixed knowledge that we don't, can't, or have been prevented from knowing. Yes. And so he's just playing with that, going, all right, well, I'll tell a new story using these same players, and maybe the ending to this will be more thematically suited to to what to what we hope for. Totally you know? agree. And the thing about, the, you know, the reason this becomes like a sort of magnum opus of like his kind of like the last like decade of his career or whatever, in my opinion, is like, so this is what Hollywood is and has been all along. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, one of the most famous movies, like people talk about all the time, is like basically a total myth that some cowboys made up when they joined the film industry when they yeah, were yeah. young. The, the, the film industry is literally built on these like fake mythologies that we now in a modern context go like, like the way I view the Wild West is more informed by Hollywood movies than it is actual oh, history. Yeah. You and know what I mean? It's probably not even terribly accurate. It's way more informed by Hollywood than it is real Layer history. Layer that onto Hollywood itself. There's a mythology around actual exactly. Hollywood. Of, this is Tinseltown, yep. glitz and glamour and all yep. that. Hollywood fucks a lot of people really yep. bad ways. People yep. die in Hollywood. People get fucking ripped apart, destroyed, crushed, and reduced to nothing in Hollywood. But the few that make it live that fantasy life. Yes. A lot of people, uh, you know, historically consider the moment where, uh, you know, the classic good time, old timey Hollywood ended was with the Tate LaBianca murders. Yes. And so that happens around the time new Hollywood ushers in, studio yep. system starts changing. And so it's just a, a more cynical change, but 
it's it's a break free but you know therein lies the rub is that it's this beautiful break free from the studio system that produced Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid yes. that produced a lot of fantastic movies but the the myth of Hollywood past is so beautiful and wonderful, but it's filled with feet and actresses, speed and producers' couches and all that shit. Yep. So, like, no matter what changes, it's all good and bad. Yeah. But I like the idea that his movie is about, like, we all know Hollywood is a bunch of lies, but I actually have the ability to spin these lies however I want. Yes. So let's spin a story about how Hollywood not go doesn't go through that change. Right. We still do that. And what I love about that, too, <laughs> fuck putting a pin in it, we're here. Yeah, go. What I love about that, too, is that, like, yes, uh, the the Manson murders were avoided. Uh, yes, new Hollywood, Polanski and uh, uh, Tate have now become friends with Rick Dalton. Right. New Hollywood and old Hollywood has bonded together. But uh, Cliff Booth, the hero of the day, he definitely murdered his wife. Yes. He's definitely a fucked up uh, narcissistic psychopath. Yeah. And he's only a little bit better than... Uh, uh, Rick Dalton. Yes. You know, they're both a bunch of drunk fucking lout assholes. Like, yep. So, you know, things are fixed, things aren't fixed. I don't yeah. fucking know. I love that. That it's, is so amazing. Well, and I, So to me, it's like that is what is so great about this movie, in my opinion, especially when you're looking at it in the greater oeuvre uh, of Tarantino's work, is like this is his ultimate point about storytelling. It's just like these are the mythologies we create. That's that's what Hollywood is and has always been. The stories themselves are mythologies. The actual place is a mythology. The careers people have had are mythologies. They are everybody is just telling their own story in their own way and these like kind of mythologies in the mix to the point where I don't know if you'll agree with this. I haven't really seen many people talk about this, but in my opinion, the end of the movie, part of the reason it's a different story than the one you and I know mm. about Sharon Tate and what happened in that house is in my opinion, the end of at the very least the end of this movie. I don't know about the rest of this movie. But the end of this movie is Rick Dalton's version of this story. Yeah, yeah. The reason he flamethrowers a Manson family kid to death in his own pool is not because that's a real thing that happened. First of all, obviously, he's a fake character. It's all yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right? But even in the context of, let's say he's real, let's say this is a real story that's being told about Hollywood, that's his version of the way this went down oh, that yeah, yeah. night. That's him telling this story where he gets to be the big hero at the end of the day, because at this moment in Rick Dalton's life, he's a crumbling actor that's losing his grip on his own life, his own celebrity. Like he's coming to the terms with what he thinks is he's the being end edged of his out of career life by his young upstart yep. hip neighbors that yep. are the new face of yep. what he used to do. He's he's afraid. He thinks everything's coming to an end, and this big crazy story about how he saves New Hollywood's life, just like he did in Fourteen Fists of McCloskey with his uh. Yeah, uh, flamethrower. It, it's like that is what's going to give him longevity and careers. This new mythology about, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's how I see the end of this movie. I, I mean, it's one of those where there's so much going on, especially with an acid cigarette. That yes. a lot of what's going on is not can necessarily, be called into question. Yeah. Can be called into question. Yeah. I prefer personally to read it as straight, just totally straight, um, yeah. because I like the thematic weight of when he grabs that flamethrower and starts doing it. That is a moment where he embraces like I wasn't proud of fourteen fists right. of McCloskey, but that. That's in my bag right now. I've got that flamethrower in my shed. Yeah. And that's actually something that I should be damn proud of. Yeah. That's something that I should do. I should wear this flamethrower yeah. proudly. I should spray it. You want me to be a villain? I'll be a villain. Uh -huh. You want me to be in a shitty, crazy movie? I'll be in a shitty, crazy yeah. movie. I'm Rick fucking Dalton. Yeah. And I love that. But, you know, it's also. I, I like that and then he's, too. Yeah. If he's literally burning her, that's. But, you know, and it could also be read, too, that maybe he just like pff, pff, sprayed her. Yeah. And in his mind, it was. Ah! 
Because to me, you know what made me think of this? Because he was also very drunk. I, I know. <laughs> and, and what made me think of this is the final moments of the movie when he's just standing in his driveway talking to Sharon Tate for the first time. Mm. He's like he's like slicking his hair back from being like really sweaty and like crazed about what happened. And she's like, what happened? And he's like, I, I don't, I don't, I just... I like, burned a kid in my yeah, back. Yeah. Like it's to oh, yeah, me, it's like uh, Cliff and his dog killed two of them, yeah. and I finished off the last one with a flamethrower. Exactly, it feels like he's like if it's like it's like just like the rest. He's Rick of, Dalton. Yeah. It's just like the rest of his life. Cliff has actually been the one to do everything cool and good that has ever been attributed to Rick, and in his final, it's like this is how he's going to live on in Hollywood. It's like. Yeah, Cliff did everything, but then I burned that kid up with the yeah, play. Yeah, like, yeah. He's adding to this ledge. Like, he even says it at the very beginning of the movie when the guy's interviewing the two of yes. them, and he explains the the role of a stuntman. He was like, you know, if it calls for me to fall off a horse, yeah, you know, say I get injured and all that, that puts a burden on production. <laughs> yeah. I can fall off a horse. Yes. And when he says that, he like looks over at Cliff, and yeah. Cliff gives him like, yeah, fucking just keep talking. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the whole like, you know, carrying my load. He's yeah. like, yeah. carrying his load. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, he immediately always has that like, listen, I could do it. it I just choose not it to. It feels yeah. like that's what that is. It's him. Mytho- it's himself mythologizing at the end, mm-hmm. which is maybe going to give him a second life in Hollywood. As we know, somebody like we kind of know he's a little bit based on Burt Reynolds. It's like if you look at Burt Reynolds' career, it's very similar to Rick's, where it's like he was in a bunch of TV shows. He was approaching middle age. He was maybe not as popular as he used to be. He got a starring role in some low-budget movies, and that, boom, suddenly made him give him a second mm. career as an actual movie star in New Hollywood. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. it, it, it stands to reason. Have you seen the, uh, uh, I guess it's FBI episode? I, I have, Did yes. you watch that clip? Yep. That's yep. so cool. They really nailed that perfectly. I, totally. Yeah. It's, uh, honestly, it made me think it might actually be just like they did with the footage of what's that movie that they put him into. Oh, The Great Escape. I actually yeah. wonder if that's what they did with that, if they actually put DiCaprio Maybe. into that episode, if that's like kind of what's happening yeah. there. It was because it's that spot on that uh, that great escape thing was pretty fantastic. Really cool, yeah. And what I like about that, oh, I'll ask you this: Did yeah. you read that as he was remembering some test footage he saw of him auditioning, right? Or that he was just picturing what that movie would be like if only he was in it? I, so I prefer I, the latter. I prefer the latter, but I think it could be either. And this is the thing about the movie, and this this brings. I mean, I I don't know that you and I have to address this, the yeah. Bruce Lee of it all. Um, I I think opinions about that are valid across the board, yeah, yeah. basically. But here's what I will say, and it totally relates to what you're saying. When I saw that scene, what I interpreted it as immediately was not him having a memory. It was him fantasizing about what would happen if he got brought on set and Bruce Lee was there and he challenged Bruce Lee to a fight. I think it's both. That's because uh, a memory is also your that, own. It's his own version. It's your of the own story. version of the story. In the exactly. scene before that, too, they mention him getting fired off yes. of the Green Hornet, and that the uh, the stunt coordinator and his wife like were not you know, right. fond of him or whatever. And so Leonardo DiCaprio sends him home for the day, right? And he's fixing the antenna on the roof, and he has that. He thinks back yeah. to it. But the reason why I think it's a memory is be, and a heightened memory, yeah, is after all of that happens, and then the memory comes to a close. He makes a face where he goes like, and it. He's clearly gesturing. Yeah, I fucked up. I should have been fired for that. Well, he actually has a line. He says something to the effect of like, "Yeah, that's about right." Yeah, yeah. He says something yeah. like that. That would be interesting if it was literally that, because it would mean a he's contesting with it, and b like that's about right. That's yeah, yeah, about yeah. what happened. Well, and that might. So as I've listened to other people talk about this, and I've thought more about that scene, they're definitely in costumes from a different movie. Mm. It seems like it could be a memory. But it still gets us down to this mythologizing thing. That's what we do with our oh, memory. Nobody's too. memory is it's, spot on. It's not spot on. And he's definitely a delusional person. And we also yeah. exactly he's a delusional person. We also self mythologize all the time. Mm. 
I to me, I, I still I think opinions about that scene are valid across the board because yeah, I yeah. also get wanting to see Bruce Lee represented accurately. I totally understand mm-hmm. that. But I think in the context of this movie, it makes sense to me that he's not represented accurately. It makes sense that that scene goes down the way it does. It actually adds to the thematics of this movie. Now, I will say, Tarantino has now been quoted a bunch of times responding to this, oh, yeah. where he's not defending it the way I am, and it's like, you idiot. You <laughs> Yeah, you could just roll with the punches. You totally could have defended this in like the a smart, is, though, easy way. He, did, he does make a valid point uh, oh, I, about... Uh, I have, I've read the Bruce Lee biography yeah. written by his wife. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck, I'm totally screwing up by not having her name off the top of my head. But uh, I don't know it. It is mentioned quite explicitly that he thought Muhammad Ali was a joke right. and he could beat him in a fight. Yeah, yeah. But what's weird, and see, this is where this kind of shit rubs me the wrong yeah. way because I think that it's really any interpretation of that scene is valid. Yes. Uh, Bruce Lee's daughter spoke out against it, and yep. if anyone has a right to say anything about it, it is 100% absolutely her. Yeah. And if that's how she feels, that is 100% valid. And I don't mean this as a counter to her, but I mean this just like as a thing. Like, I just always had more faith in people to watch that movie. You know, like, I, I don't... I would like to think that nobody watches that and thinks, yeah, Bruce Lee was a fucking asshole. Right. No, like, I, it doesn't compute with me that someone would watch that and think that it was supposed to be an accurate representation. But uh, I, who the fuck am I? I know. You know. I would tend to agree that that feels like what I would call a bad faith reading yeah, of that yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. And like, but I also don't think that any of the bad readings that I've seen of it read as in bad faith to exactly. me. I, mean, I don't want to invalidate no, any of that. That's, that's the not thing my place. Is I've, heard, I've actually heard some people kind of explicate like why they feel that way about it. It's like, yeah, I, I can hear that. Like I, I can hear it and I understand it. It's your dad. Yeah. It's and 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 I've seen some, you know, I, I've just seen like um uh you know Dave Chen is is mm. uh, uh a man of Asian descent. I'm I'm bad with this. I don't actually know mm. like where he's from. Um but like Twitter. The, yeah, right, yes. <laughs> from Twitter. Um but it's like so I get I get wanting to see yourself represented a certain yeah, way yeah, on yeah. screen and then having like the star that kind of like defines you know people's stereotype of you be re-stereotyped in another way like i get it like yeah, you know yeah. what i mean it's like i i hear it all but that's not how i saw that scene and i do think ha- my read on the scene definitely just plays into the the overall thematics of this movie in a very smart interesting way yeah in my this opinion. is how cliff saw it yeah yeah and honestly even if that's literally how it happened if we're supposed to take the completely at yeah. face value that was not a scene about Bruce Lee being an asshole. I would agree with that. That was a scene about two men with egos yeah. clashing. Yeah. And I also think I that read it as like they were both having a, a bad moment. I, I'll be honest with you. To me, Cliff comes off as the way bigger asshole throughout oh, yeah. that scene, in my opinion. Well, the 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 good dude would listen to that speech and be like, all right, let's get to work, whatever, yeah. dude. Yeah. But he smirks at him and he yeah, laughs at exactly. him. Exactly. And he what does he say? He's like, and I think you he says, like, and I think you're crazy if you think that you would stand up against Muhammad Ali and be anything but the spit on his shoe. Right, you know, like right. Something, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But, oh, man, I, I, see, I really love that scene because I think that the comedic timing in that is absolutely very on point. Yeah. The escalation of him throwing him into an, uh, yes. just a, a car. That, I agree. Like, that is very, very funny. Yeah. I mean, if there's any point to this definitely is a heightened moment, it's yeah. that. When he yeah. threw him into the car, like... 
Yeah, you can dent a car that way. You yeah. can't destroy the side of it. I mean, it, that it way. looks like a it's movie. It's a Michael stunt. Bay moment. You know, yeah, it, it looks like, like, it's like a, a big movie moment. stunt, which is so, very funny. Yeah, and that's yeah. how he thinks. Agreed. You know? yeah. Agreed. And he, Brad Pitt is, well, we should talk about this just because it, it is so worth mentioning in any Tarantino movie. The performances are so good in this movie. So good. Brad Pitt is so good in this movie. We're doing a list later yeah. of our favorite DiCaprio and or Pitt performances yes. in honor of this movie. So yes. stick around for that. Please. But uh, I left this movie off of the list, but it's like... It's probably number one for both. Dude, I left <laughs> like, it off of the list, and literally for the same reason. I was like, really looking at both of their careers, this is some career-defining it's work. It's so good. It's very, very good. I don't know who wrote this, but I saw an article on Twitter, and I read it, and I really liked it, and uh, I forget what her name is, but it was, uh, so apologies for not giving credit, but it was something to the effect of how Brad Pitt is essentially just a character actor yep. that somehow became leading man status. Yes. And when he carries a movie himself, like he's good, but yep. he's not like it's not he's not pulling a Tom Hanks. When he's a supporting character, there's absolutely no one who can do Whole it. You know, like heartedly him. agree. And that's like we've referred to him as the new Robert Redford because yes. he kind of just looks like kind of looks like him. But Robert Redford had that same quality. Yes. It wasn't until Robert Redford was an old man that his leading roles really worked for me. Yeah, as a supporting character, he's like really great he's great and uh, my filmography knowledge of robert redford is limited so i'm speaking agreed. from that yeah um but yeah with pitt like i just said agreed like yes your knowledge of him yeah. is diminished i mean i, I meant minus two <laughs> you probably no yeah no, it's, it's, <laughs> but uh yeah and i kind of feel the same way about dicaprio yes um like I watched The Aviator. Uh -huh. uh, I was trying to get as many long movies as possible for a long <laughs> flight. So I did Aviator. I wanted to watch Once Upon a Time in America, but that's almost four hours long. Jesus Christ. And even on a seven-hour flight, I was like, uh, I kind of uh, want to diversify. But uh, Aviator, fantastic. Yeah, uh, I like that movie a lot. Easily Scorsese's most beautiful movie. I'll uh -huh. say that. But like, there was a couple times where DiCaprio didn't work for me. Yeah. He came off as like a little bit dweeby, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. that's... Not necessarily Sometimes the, the word Caprio I want to do. Sometimes capital A acting. It's yeah, and it was. Does that make sense? It was yeah, and he was doing, and he was great. He was better than I could ever yeah. do. Uh, and you know, it's it's it is really a wonderful movie for performances across yeah. the board. Fucking Kate Beckinsale is fantastic. Ooh, I don't the remember. Aviator, and nobody remembers her. Yeah. Nobody talks about her. I didn't believe it was her until I saw the credits. I thought it was someone else because I was like, kind of looks like Kate Beckinsale, but she's she's a underworld girl. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, called yeah. her Wonderworld. <laughs> Uh, mixing Waterworld and Underworld, uh -huh. but she's fantastic in it. But all the love goes to deservedly to Kate Blanchett and all them. Yeah. Adam Scott's in it; he's I, great in it. I know. I forgot. So he mentioned but that recently, and I was carrying like, oh, that I movie. That there's movie. points where I run out of gas with DiCaprio, yeah. but DiCaprio in something like this, where yeah, he's the lead, but he's yeah. in fifty percent of the yes. movie. Inception. Man, yeah, Inception. That's yep. like the main That's, character's Inception. So he's like, well, and I also like I would like he is definitely the lead of that movie. But if I, he's, I'll say it now. That movie's not on my list of best DiCaprio performances. No. But Cobb that, is not a character that that I looked up his name when making this list. Yes, it just didn't yeah. Quite uh, get there. But as far as being part of an ensemble, like that is part of the reason that movie's so good is because you have DiCaprio as part of this yeah. good ensemble. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's a damn it's, good actor. Yeah, yeah. It's like and he's Arnie. It's I like could have yeah, it. It's like Cobb himself is not an interesting character to me. Uh, not even one of his best performances. Yet that movie is as good as it is because. Uh, DiCaprio is part of the Caprio's ensemble there. of that yeah. movie. You know what I mean? There's a one of the best examples of that in a in a movie like great supporting cast casting is you remember The Martian? Oh yes. The people on the other ship. Agreed. Michael Pena, uh, uh, Jessica Chastain, like. There's this great supporting cast that doesn't actually do much, but if that was anyone else, those scenes wouldn't have resonated. Yes. And because it's these like fucking A game actors, uh, Donald Glover. Yep. Uh, it's like. 
like it, that movie really works. Yes, I, the more and more I look back on that movie, the more and more I think it's like important. I almost bought <laughs> yeah. it on Blu-ray the other day because I was beautiful. like, I think I need to own this movie. You should read that book. I yeah. did the audio I like book. To, and actually, uh, you should read the audio book. Tori has read it and said it's like fantastic. I'm always gonna take book recommendations from Tori. Some point with them. She yeah, yeah. She she has very good taste. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Good taste in men, buddy. That's oh, you. thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think that that. With the the performances are absolutely fantastic. They're so good. But I love uh this is kind of a And Margot Robbie, by the way. I want to make sure we we oh, all she's like she does so much she does so much with so little. Yeah. I think th- I mean the the stupid counting her lines and yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Whatever. And it is funny that we all flip flopped on it. Yeah. When Tarantino had like a bad reaction to that, we're like, well, valid question. Uh-huh. And then when someone wrote an article about it, we were like, invalid question. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. So ridiculous. Yep. Film Twitter in a nutshell. It's I know. It's insane. But I do think that uh, she did a wonderful the conversation job. around that is ridiculous because she's very good. She's great in, in this it. role and does exactly what was brought up on Slash Filmcast that you brought up, which is just like she brings life to a person that Basically, didn't get to have one. If we gave her too many words, you run the risk of going into Sharon Tate wouldn't have done that. Sharon Tate would have yeah. said that. You almost overcharacterize her when yeah. the idea is that we don't really know her. Yeah. We know her as a s- statistic. We know her as yeah. a legend. And by having her silently participate with enthusiasm and love for the craft, yep. which she undoubtedly had, yep. regardless of what else we can intuit about her. We end up getting this thorough performance that does work for the reclamation without without turning her into a quote unquote character. I totally agree. And like, I think that's such so, such a deft hand. It's so difficult. I, I really enjoyed the all way that I she could did that. Think about watching those scenes was like, man, what a beautiful person we lost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in that way, I just watched Love Antosha this week, which uh, I, I really loved. People should see Love Antosha. It's about a documentary about Anton Yelchin, who sadly uh, tragically passed away at the age of twenty seven. A couple years ago, he's in the Star Trek movies, big actor. Um, very similar feeling when I'm watching that movie where I'm going like, man, we really lost a very like beautiful, interesting person mm. who was go who had a very promising career that would deserve to be working in the field that yes, they're in. Yes, it gave me that same feeling, mm. and I've never thought of Sharon Tate that way before. I yeah. have exclusively only thought of her as. The woman that Charles Manson murdered. You know <laughs> what I mean? Day, the most acting I have ever seen from Sharon Tate was the clips of the Wrecking Crew contained within Once Upon a Time in right. Hollywood. Yeah. I have not seen anything she's done. Yeah. I know so much about her because I'm a big fan of Polanski's work um, <laughs> and uh, and the Manson uh, murder mythology. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, agreed. It's, it's So it's like, that's a remarkable performance, I think. it's It, it, it honestly is like... Margot Robbie continues to impress me as like one of our great like working actresses. I think she works the same way that DiCaprio and Pitt did, where there was an era where the big criticism is like just a pretty face, yep. and then it turns out like actually very good. Yeah, and, and, and Pitt and DiCaprio been, actually are. always. Like, if has you been. look at their early performances, just Margot as good Robbie's as others. So good. Yeah, and but she could very easily like even in Wolf of Wall Street, yep. she could very easily have been like, well, she was just the eye candy in that. It's like no, she was actually like. Part of the reason she that she very worked. easily could have got Megan Foxed. Yeah, yeah, does that exactly. make sense? Yeah, yeah. And Megan Fox was fucking good too. So unfair that yeah. she got like treated that Jennifer's way. Jennifer's body rules. I am. So, I've never you seen it. And I really want to see it. Yeah. Jennifer's body straight. Dude, up it's like three dollars on Blu-ray. I might just dude, buy it. Just buy yeah. it. It looks great. It's got like great horror mythology. Yep. She's great in it. I like Diablo um, Cody's writing a lot. Yeah, I think Diablo Cody's it. legit, and yeah. it's Karen Kusama directed it. Yeah, so it's like she rocks. Looks, it's you got to watch Destroyer too. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, and uh, oh, why can't I think of her name? Oh, uh, 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 she was just in First Reformed, right? Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. yeah, I was like, she was just in The Art of Racing in the Rain. <laughs> she is. Yeah, that's a you sad. liked that movie, right? 
I I'll put it this way: I, it's not a good movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's the saddest movie I've ever seen. And yeah. Like I cry more than often in movies now, which is weird because yeah. we're all conditioned not to cry. Yeah. And crying's difficult. Chris yeah. Cotton had that great joke about how he couldn't cry; he just <laughs> wants to. This is the first movie that elicited like sob cries. Yeah. It's fucking brutal. Can- it's not very good, which yeah. hurts my heart because I'm watching them go like, this isn't even great, and I'm fucking <laughs> no. losing it, bro. And I hate movies like this. But I had to give it credit because no, I, I think agree. That's yeah. what, that was its goal, and yeah. it worked, yeah. even if I didn't think it was like that in-depth. It's weird Can we shit. do a quick conversation about Milo Vigalot? What's his name? Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, Milo yeah. Vig. Okay. Is he just like... So, like, I know him from Heroes. Heroes, yeah. Where I liked him in Heroes. He was a... a what was the last name? It was like Corelli? Peter, yeah, yeah, Peter yeah, Corelli. yeah, yeah, something like that. Something I just like hear a uh, uh, hero. Yes, saying, uh, "Oh no, Petrelli." Nate, Petrelli. Petrelli. It's yeah. Petrelli. I hear him saying, "Like uh, Mr. Petrelli." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked him in that show, and then I've never seen him in anything else since. I don't think. Yes, you have. What have I seen him? He in? plays Rocky's son in Rocky Balboa. I've never seen Rocky no! Balboa. What? Yeah. Oh, get the fuck on it, yeah. bro. Okay, <laughs> I need to. I think it's the only Rocky movie I haven't seen. It's like oh, one of the actual two. good ones. Yeah. 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 Uh, I would like to see it. So I don't think I've seen him in anything else. And so now uh, he just like pops up randomly in movies like this. Yeah. Where I'm like, I feel like you're somebody that could have had a career and it's and and you've probably been offered many things. And for some reason you say no to everything except these things where it basically seems like you think you're an Italian model and that's like the best you yeah, can yeah, do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it, it's I think he's good too. Right. Like he's actually pretty good in things. I think he rolled through on Gotham once. Right. And like when someone rolls through on Gotham and it's Henry Foley, which right. happened. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was, or it's Ba. I'm yeah. like, fuck yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like when he rolled through, it was like, what are you doing? It's like, I think <laughs> What's you this? think you're like this super hot commodity so, and you're being very Although, cheesy. I know a about lot of ladies who have like thirsted sure. for yeah, yeah, Ventimiglia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which yeah. It just, he's fascinating to me. I don't know yeah. why. Dude, that movie. It, let me give you just a quick basic <laughs> rundown. The movie literally opens with an old dog waking up in a puddle of his own piss. Oh, my God. Vo- his internal monologue voiced by Kevin Costner. <laughs> and it's essentially like a, yep, I know I'm about to die. Ugh. I'm an old dog. Ugh. But I truly believe that if I'm a good dog and a good boy, my next life, I might get to Ugh. be a person. I don't know if I'll be able to hold on to all of my memories, but I know my wisdom will stay. And I think if I'm good enough, Ugh. I can carry that over. Dude, this sounds You're like... You're probably wondering how I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so then it cuts back to him as a puppy. Yep. And the whole thing is Milo Ventimiglia, who's a car racer, right. gets him, loves him. And then this dog narrates to us how frustrating it is that he can't do certain things. He can't speak to him. He yeah. can't say certain things and he's limited in the ways that he can show his love, but he really does love it. Yeah. And he does this while every most unimaginable tragedy happens repeatedly to Milo <laughs> Ventimiglia's character and the dog just, I have no mouth yet, I must screams his way through the whole movie uh-huh. and then at the end, you know, picks it back up and he's going to die because he's an old ass dog. I'm like, this is entertainment to people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so bad. That literally, that's, so sad. that sounds like what I understand the guy who wrote Green Book's other movies to be like. Uh, maybe Do you know this what I is mean? one of them. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, and and what's weird though is I love reviewing these te- these young adult, I'm like getting teary-eyed. <laughs> this, uh, these other young adult movies, like kids love romance. Is it romance really considered a young adult movie? It's based on a book yeah. of that. Like, yeah. like my niece read the book. Okay. Loved Crazy. It. Yeah, they and do love that teary sort of. a lot of very cool, well, they love like these two people are in love, but one of them has a terminal disease. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's every teen yeah, movie. Yeah. You know, just she's dying but in yeah. love. And uh, yeah, I guess it's just ugh. like angst writ large on the screen. Yes, right? exactly. I guess. And, and I appreciate that yeah. to some degree. 
it's just like I, I, there was a lot of things where I'm like, that is a very insightful read on why dogs might do that behavior and do <laughs> yeah. that. And as as someone who has loved and lived with many dogs in his life, yeah. that's that it was appreciated. But yeah. it's like could have done without the puddle of piss. <laughs> that's like great. Like yeah. The dog smells a tumor on somebody, uh, but can't speak as yes. to how to warn them. So yeah. all he can do is love them while they're still here. Oh, it's my like, God. <laughs> but, like, I don't want to spoil too much, but, like, the idea that he'll maybe one day come back as a... That is addressed. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, It's yeah. weird as yeah. shit. Uh, weird as shit, man. Art of Racing in my pain. It's, like, uh-huh. it's so fucking... Jesus. How do we, how get, do we there? get there? I don't, I don't know, know, man. But, yeah, it's like... What else? I have a whole bunch of notes from when I watched Please, because, like, okay, well, so here's, here. so I do think this movie is a lot about mythology and yeah. mythologizing, and that kind of, and that makes a lot of sense with the career Tarantino has had, especially his last, like, ten years or so of mm-hmm. making movies, but I also think there's a lot of interesting things in this movie that I would like to bring up less as kind of challenging things, as more as just, like, isn't it fucking fascinating that he put something like this in yeah, his yeah, movie, yeah. given everything that's happening? So, the Cliff Booth maybe killed his wife, maybe didn't kill his wife thing. One that's obviously a nod to the other murder, the 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 woman that gets drowned on a boat, and uh, maybe oh, yeah, Natalie Wood. Yeah, Natalie Wood. Yeah. Right. And to maybe me, Christopher Walken. Yes. Did it? To yeah. me, it seems clear that that's somewhat a nod to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as just other like Hollywood mythology, but additionally, it's like a lot of what this movie is about is a famous Hollywood guy who is very close with another famous famous Hollywood guy who may or may not have done something very bad during his career, but they've had a lot of career together, and they've done a lot of good things together with their careers, and he's just a little bit attached to this guy, and he's just got a little bit of, not forgiveness of what he did, but just... I know this guy, and and I just... It looks different from where I'm standing. Yes. Um, Yes. That's it. Which, obviously... There are parallels we could make if we wanted to oh, yeah. to Tarantino, his career, not just with the wine scenes, but with plenty of other people he's worked with. Um, and I just think that's interesting that whether or not he's really trying to tip his hat to his own career and people in his career, he did write that into his movie. And that is very interesting. I think it comes from, and I said this in my review, Reservoir Dogs came out, what, 92, 93? I think that's right, 92. That was... Enough time has passed between Reservoir Dogs and now than had passed between the movies that inspired Reservoir Dogs and Reservoir Dogs. And there's no denying that the film landscape has been indelibly changed, altered, informed by the existence of Tarantino. Yes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, to me, is the first Tarantino movie that's kind of post-Tarantino. I agree. It's like self-reflexive. is over. Yes. It's done, and he has to say goodbye to it. He has to shift. Yep. Much the way that... uh, 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 What's his name? Uh... Oh, Rick Dalton uh, Rick has Dalton, to yeah, shift. Yeah, yep. uh, Rick Dalton ultimately fires Cliff Booth throughout yes. the course of this movie, yep. and it 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 is what it is. Yep. And so I think that Tarantino clearly, and Tarantino, who like you know you don't want to say woke, but I mean like the dude did catch a lot of flack for marching in Black Lives Matter. Yeah, so he's aware. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. And someone who's just aware of all that and is a part of and fed into a culture that is inextricably linked to that Yeah, as this movie being a, I'm now informing myself, yeah. which means I have to have grown, I have to have changed. Yeah. I think that's where that comes through. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's one of his more mature, just structurally speaking, films you know, and craft speaking because he has influenced himself. Yeah. He can't... I think where Hateful Eight uh, fails sometimes is that a lot of it feels like Tarantino trying to do Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is post-Tarantino. This is post 
my era is understandably, justifiably, and you know, irrevocably ending. Yeah. And so I I need to contend with that. Yeah. But I also want to say I do love you and goodbye. It's yeah, right, yeah. You know, and I think that's where that kind of stuff. Yeah, comes that's in, interesting. You know? Yeah, I like that perspective on it. Because I, I was fascinated by a lot of that kind of, you know, there's also this idea of uh, Phil Nobile Jr., former guest on the show, mm. had a great review of this movie where he was like, a bunch of forward-thinking kids kill their or cancel their problematic fave. Yeah, oh, I saw that. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was very funny. But it's also, again, it's like this interesting thing that's happening in this movie, right? So the Manson family are these classic American villains. That's how we've painted them. That's how we treat them. They are, mm. they are... They are, in the same way that Nazis are, they're these classic American villains. That's, like, how we think of them. Mm-hmm. And in this movie... And they're they're purely vilifiable. Right. If you want to. I mean, I, I think there's a lot to be right. said and written. I think there's a movie that even goes into it that, like, there is a valid read that some of the family members are victims as well. Right. Despite having become monsters. Uh, agreed. Uh, but one of And the th- Manson himself is... Not to excuse him, but a victim of wanted to be a star and couldn't hack it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what I think is interesting, though, is these kids, basically, what you were bringing up before, is, like, they see Rick. <laughs> they go, like, hey, wait, I know who that guy is. He's an actor. He's a part... They, it's like they haven't even considered the fact that, like, Polanski and Sharon Tate are also part of the Hollywood machine. Yeah, yeah, Because they look at them and they go, they're part of the Hollywood machine. They did all the stuff that was so violent, it made us want to be violent. Oh, they, and they we, literally say that, yeah. We can blame them for how we are and what our generation has become. So if we kill that, it's it. So in some sense, I understand what what uh, Phil is saying when he makes that comparison. Is like these are a, a, a loud generation that has decided you're canceled because what you did is bad. Like mm-hmm. we have we have decided that retroactively and we can justify anything we do yep. because of the inherent badness of of your and thing. so. But so then it's interesting that it's like uh, ter- So if we're gonna decide if if, if we can. If we're at least trying to address this as a parallel of some kind, that yeah. that's what's happening in that, he's literally taking these like very, the these villains and relating the sort of woke movement to villains, mm. the cancellation movement to villains. And I think without expressly vilifying the woke movement, I agree because he is a part of it. But I, yes. I think uh, just. I, we, could, I we could maybe see cancel culture. Maybe is a yeah, better yeah, way to well, frame that. I think in terms of like woke for broke is what I yeah, always yeah, call it because yeah. I think yeah. it's funny. Yeah, me too. But uh, like, just in terms of like, and I always say this: like, hey, your, your methods kind of matter. Yeah, and yeah. it sucks that they have to. Yeah. Um, you know, the press is always going to look badly on anything you do, so you got to behave. Yeah, yeah. And and we see the the sometimes we see the festering of a well-intentioned thing that turns into violence. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, shit, man. It just was interesting to me that, like, you could... I don't know that he's doing that intentionally, necessarily. I think it's in the texture of the but film it seems just like as it self-reflection. Is. Yeah, and it just it's interesting that he's trying to contend with those things and reflecting on those things. Uh, but I also am like... Uh, and th- th- this is like... I'm trying to say this in a way where... Because I don't really... I don't know that I believe any of the criticisms that I'm about to say. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. These are just thoughts I had while watching it. Let's dig them. It's it just is like that feels like him trying to sort of go like, so screw your Uma Thurman so- stories about me. Screw your so and so stories mm. about me. Like this cancel culture is bad and doesn't actually like it. To me, it's I, you could read it as him trying to shake that stuff off. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's interesting. I think it's interesting because I think it comes in the form of the like question and this is a question i always asked with with more aggressive activism is like this is good what's your end game right yeah what what is your what are you hoping to accomplish here have you lost sight of what it is that you're looking to accomplish and 
That's a valid question. Because I, I do and think... And it's one that I'd rather see him addressed in films because, like, as, as we've learned, he doesn't quite interview so well. Right. And so... Because he's an opinionated guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and that's... I thought this movie, you know, I don't know that it addresses any of those things well. I don't even know if it's trying to address those things. But to me, it felt like it was, and that I think is very interesting. I think interesting. it's there whether he wants you know, to be or not. It or not. Right? Yeah. One of a famous fact about Invasion of the Body Snatchers is that the guy who wrote the book, everyone's like, oh, it's an allegory for communism. He was like, I honestly didn't think of that. Yeah. It wasn't an allegory for communism, but at a time when that's the sort of thing we're fearing, it's unavoidable that a horror a horror story that I write would take the form of that yeah. type of fear. So in that way, it is about communism. Yeah. So like, if that's on his mind while he's writing it, that kind of shit's unavoidable, whether yeah. he knows it or not. And, right. and I, I think it's there. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that, I don't know. I can't stop thinking about those things. In well, there's a lot of that. Movie. Like I was saying earlier, of there's a, a fair shake for everything yeah. of, you know, like, yeah, old Hollywood seemed like this magical thing, but it had monsters behind it too. Yeah, yeah, new Hollywood was kind of spawned off by by a societal rejection that even took to violent extremes with murder. But new Hollywood movies fucking rip. Yeah, so like it, it is very even handed about the idea of just like there are problems that need to be fixed and there are problems behind the problems. Yeah. Nothing's perfect. Everything needs work. Yeah, Keep working. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. It's definitely about evolution, I think. One of the things that I think is interesting is everybody keeps talking about how, oh, this movie's about the golden era of Hollywood, the golden age of Hollywood, when Hollywood was its best, which it takes place in that era, but in my opinion, this movie is about the fringes of that Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It, Rick is going to Italy to make low-budget Oh. Like sh- nobody likes spaghetti movies. westerns. Yeah, like, nobody says that. Like, and and to me, it's very and movies that are ultimately, as we understand them, like beloved. Yeah, like to like to me, this is Tarantino making a movie about the movies he really loves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which are B movies. They're not the big Hollywood movies. They're the Italian knockoffs of big Hollywood mm-hmm. movies. That's the stuff that he loves. Oh, he's doing Sergio Leone, and they right. did uh, Corbucci. They yes, reference yeah, him, yeah. and like this is a movie in title. That is exactly. referencing two I, surge, or three surgeries. Which is films. like, that's what's so interesting to me about everybody being like, ah, it's about the golden age of Hollywood. It's like, I mean, kind of. No, it's, it's more about like the shit on the heel of I that. I think it's about the just cultural shift. Yeah, generally. yeah, yeah. Actually, I, this was a note that I have here was that I wrote was, let's kill the people who taught us to kill. And it said, amazing that we're there again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's, yep. we're, we're, we're on it. Yeah, it's, oh, man, I really do love it. There's just so, that's the thing is like, you know, I'm bringing up some of these things where I'm like, I don't know, is this like a problem that Tarantino is addressing some of these things in this way? Maybe mm-hmm. it is, maybe it's not. I don't actually know, and I don't think I'm the right person to say. But the fact that this movie has that much to unpack in it, let alone all of the actual thematic and storytelling and character stuff mm-hmm. that's going on, to me, it's like that's a four, if not five star, one of the best movies of the year. Movie. Oh yeah, it's there. I mean, yeah, like, this is this is the kind of movie too that I think like in ten years yep. we can room two thirty seven it yes. and be like this might have been about this. This right. uh, one of the things that I wrote down that I thought fits into the storytelling element of it. One thing that is one hundred percent true that did happen that they didn't change about the Manson murders was that Charlie's orders were to kill some of those hoity toity yeah. Hollywood people and quote unquote make it real witchy. Oh, that's what he said. Make it real witchy because yeah. his whole thing was he wanted to start a race war. Right. Yep. He wanted to start a culture war. Yep. So these couldn't just be murders. They had to write pig yep. on the wall yep. in her blood. They had to do yep. things to make it seem ritualistic and bigger than it was so that there's a story behind they it. They want someone to go, this is voodoo, kill black people. Exactly. That's like literally what they want to happen. And really, my read on it is Manson wanted exactly what he got, which right. was... I am now Charles Manson, yes. the guy who orchestrated this. Yes. And I mean, one of the 
craziest things about the he Manson created a story. legend in mythology. He out created of he created a yeah yep. he is a mythology yep. and that's this movie reduces that yep. and but we do hear the line text did get that order to yes, make it right. real witchy, but what I love about that is like you know uh, one of the things about Manson that's interesting that not a lot of people know and yeah. if you ever read Helter Skelter uh, you should Vincent Bugliosi the prosecutor okay. fully admits a I was completely wasted during that trial because it was so fucking insane Whoa. and b we had absolutely nothing on Charlie Manson yeah he didn't do anything yeah yeah he, yeah. he to be able to put someone in jail for life for potentially having given the order right. a, a very unspecific order against no one specific yeah uh, just go into the hills yeah. go find the yeah. old la bianca house sphere of influence i guess the fact that you can get someone for life yeah. on that took a lot of very 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 shady right bad prosecution right uh the the person if someone were to truly believe in the laws of our justice system, which I do, yeah. and which sucks, is like, you know, truly believe in the ideal function yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manson would not have gotten time. Right. Because he didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. But they pulled some strings and got yeah. him some time. And whereas, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't necessarily right. But that comes down to, once again, how did Vincent Bugliosi do it? He told a story. Yeah. He created a story. He took the mythology of Manson being like, Oh, you take pride in the fact that you're the mastermind, you're right. the crazy guy, you're on this crazy trip, man. Yeah. I will bring you down with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will tell your story, and whereas you say, oh, I did this to cleanse things, I say you did this because you're fucking crazy. Right, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of where the thematic resonance in this movie is coming from, is yeah. this is a movie about, like, it doesn't matter what happened. Yeah. If I can get my story to right. be the one that is the story, that's the story. Right. That's cool. It is cool. And but it ties right into Manson. That yeah. was that was his biggest asset yeah. and his greatest downfall. It's so also, it took him down. I mean, this is probably taking, he got outpressed. Yeah, this is probably taking it way outside of any intent or anything. But it's like that's the story of America always, but also in 2019. What history do we are we telling today? Mm-hmm. How do we want people to think about American history when we say we use that phrase? We want to be on the right side of history. When yeah. we say "Make America Great Again," what do we mean by that? Yeah. It means something specific to specific people because of the way they're telling the story mm-hmm. of America. That's a story in of itself. Make it great again. Yes. What does again mean? Right. Because what okay, does great mean? What was what was so great in the past? Yes. And then you could probably point to like small things that might have been preferential personally yes but like in terms of greatness like no we're no no this is the story of america it's the stories we tell and how we self-mythologize to make ourselves this like world power that deserves the world power that uh is the only one responsible enough to have the world power we do things out of altruism and as it turns out we don't we do things for money yeah Yeah, it's just it's maybe taking it a little outside the realm of i don't think so though because i think that uh hateful eight which i think i like better than than many but I think has its fair share of problems. Hateful Eight was immediately after Tarantino got involved with like Black Lives Matter and stuff. Yeah. And that story, that whole tale was about, first off, Sam Jackson is protecting a letter from Abe Lincoln that is completely made up. He made it up and told the story about how, you know, Mary Todd's waiting for me. I got to <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Completely made up because it helped his image as somebody whose image previously was of an, you know, an N-word, as they say right, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And so now... He's he's more important. Why is he more important? Well, because the president said so. President didn't say shit. Yeah, you know, and it, he tells the big story about how Bruce Dern's son sucked on his dingus because he told him <laughs> to. Right. Is that true? I don't fucking uh, know. Don't know. But as far as uh, Bruce Dern is concerned, it might be, and, and that story kills him. Yes. 
Uh, he argues with Walton Goggins. I will not sit down and eat dinner with him. <laughs> and why? Because what do people say? Yeah. What's that story? Yeah. I think it's very, very much on Tarantino's mind of what story are we telling yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and how much of it is true. Yeah, yeah. And watching Jackie Brown again. We, we, Dude, I agree. We go right back to that. Yep. I don't know what uh, what set of events happened. Right. I just know what happened because of it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, Jackie Brown was very good. It's so good. Yeah. Max See if Jerry I have any good so notes good. here. Yeah, please. Um, uh, I actually kind of like the intermittent narration by Kurt Russell. Um, it only happens I'm not sure two or three how I feel times. About that. I like it because uh, to me, it feels like Tarantino holding on to a little bit of "I am doing Tarantino." Um, yeah, it happens in *Inglorious Bastards*. The only character that gets a uh, huge title card is oh, Hugo sorry. Stiglitz. And I remember that feeling sort of jarring in the moment where I was like, why is this here? This movie's not doing that. Oh, is this movie about to become that? And it never comes that. It never becomes that. And so, but I ultimately do like that now in hindsight. I think it's the right move because it is a Tarantino movie. He is very brand aware. He's self-aware of that. This movie has a couple small little, uh, at the the party at the Polanski's house, a couple little title cards. Uh, When they show the stunt happening in uh, in, This is Cliff Cliff, here. So I think it is in tune with that. But I think I also might be biased because of my deep and abiding love for Kurt Russell. Sure. Because Kurt Russell's first thing in the movie is that's a fucking lie. Yeah. When he says, you know, oh, he doesn't. He's his uh, driver because he likes to drive him around. Right. No, he. Got well, it. so here's here's my. This is why I feel weird about the Kurt Russell narration. I don't know why it's Kurt Russell. Mm. The fact that he's already in the movie as a character and then starts narrating it is confusing to me. Yeah. Which is neither here nor there for the most part, but yeah, I do yeah. find it confusing. The other thing is it's the one thing in the movie where I feel like, yeah, I know you have a four and a half hour cut of this. Yeah. The yeah. reason he suddenly jumps in is because you don't know how else to use your images to tell the story you still need to tell in the next 20 minutes. Yeah. He might Does be more of a sense? character. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. But I also like that is a classic tool of Tarantino's. Yeah. Totally. It's just totally. that's why and so like yep. In that he has definitely undergone the transformation we so frequently talk about this show of being in a very present director to yeah. one that's edges are softened. Yes. I think that it's too inherent to what he brings to cinema to have all of his edges softened. I would agree. I mean, you know, style is half the reason you're at a Tarantino movie. Yes, yeah. Like, for sure. That narration plays slightly less successfully to me as the uh, rowing sequence in uh, the Facebook movie, A Social oh, Network yes. Happens, where suddenly it's like, this is a fucking David Fincher movie! <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. we go back to this you know, softer feel. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you need that. Or in Steve Jobs, when Danny Boyle's projecting words on the wall that aren't actually there. Right. But it's a much softer movie. It's not aggressive. There's no handheld camera and shit like that. So I think that... Uh, and Yesterday does that so nicely. I, I I'm really very much looking forward yesterday. to seeing Yesterday. I think you'd like... It's just so nice. I think I will. And uh, But so I think that this is just one of those things of him just being like, I still have to deliver you a Tarantino movie. It, you know, might it, it has to happen. Yeah. Michael Bay has to blow something up, yeah. uh, even if he's making, you know, whatever. Although then I've never seen music from the heart, but I wonder if Wes Craven's drama has anyone <laughs> yeah, getting yeah. ripped to shreds. I would love we'll to see. I would love to see like uh, you know the home video from one of Michael Bay's kids' birthdays, <laughs> yeah. where he just adds the cake exploding in his kid's face. He's to, like, like, blow the, the candles out and then tuck and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, one of the things that I really love about this movie is that uh, my love for Death Proof is not a secret. This movie has the opportunity for Tarantino to have included like 20 miniature Death Proofs yes. in there. 
You just gotta love that. I agree. He's having so much fun, so I'm having so much. Fun. I I totally agree with that. Like a lot of people have said, they think the Rick Dalton stuff is like a bit of a waste of time in the movie, where we spend so much time like watching him make that one TV show and stuff like that. Mm. And um, I do think that there is a languid pace to those scenes that sometimes I could feel. Mm. Um, but otherwise, I really like those scenes, and I very much like watching Tarantino get to just play around in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in that world. You know, that's the biggest criticism that I feel uh, that I don't feel, but that I understand is the pacing of it yeah because like it is a movie where essentially like not much happens it's a hang- it really is a it's hangout, a hangout movie. movie it's doing you know like inherent vice it's, yep. it's doing that sort of a yep. thing but like this was a, one of those odd circumstances i never wanted it to end <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I could i the pace was delicious to me yeah yeah but being bored by that oh, man i get it yeah i definitely get it There's, especially if you want something to happen so those scenes get a little saggy some yeah, of them yeah some of them it, I mean, like, they worked for me through and through yeah. because I enjoy Tarantino playing around, but yeah. that is very much a your mileage may vary. Yeah. Uh, for example, a lot of people really, really want to watch the just boom, 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 this is Kill Bill, revenge story, yeah. fun, boom, great dialogue, slice, slice, slice. Other people, it's like, man, Jackie Brown, I like chilling out yeah. with, uh, what, what, oh, with uh, Ordell. 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 Yep. Yeah. Um, I Lewis. like that they included uh, radio commercials, like real ones, and yeah. they're on the soundtrack. Yeah. They're very funny. Uh-huh. Uh, some of them are similar to what I've been trying to do with Kirk Rigger, Space Lawyer. Yeah. There's one, and I only picked it up listening to the soundtrack, where it was like, all right, only if you're if you're under 25, I want you to listen to this. And it's an advertisement for suntan oil that features absolutely no sunscreen. <laughs> Hawaiian tans or whatever it yeah. is. But they very quickly mention only if you're under 25. Yeah. And it's like, that's very funny because... Because back in the day, everyone's like, oh, the cigarette companies didn't know. No, they knew. Yeah. But there was no reason for them to say anything. Yeah, so yeah, doctors yeah. recommend it. Yeah. And so that was one like, hey, if you're under 25, blah, blah, blah. Anywho, yeah, this yeah, is horribly yeah, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, and so it's like they cover their ass, but they don't make it sound like they're covering their ass. Yeah. Uh, fun stuff. There was a commercial for like the Illustrated Man, a yeah. Ray Bradbury adaptation. Right. With, uh, and, uh, what else do I got? Okay. With the themes, I love that Dalton is starstruck by Polanski. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I forget who says this, but what I wrote down the quote was, you're one pool party away from starring in the next Polanski movie. Right, Maybe Cliff yeah. said that too. Yeah, him. it's interesting because I... He's like, even starstruck by the new generation. It's cra- I, I thought about that too, especially because I didn't know that Polanski was regarded that way myself. Mm. Like, it was surprising to me to have all the characters being like, oh, Polanski, 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 Well, he was like the big, like, this guy's a foreigner, and he's doing art house stuff, but it's mainstream. Right, yeah. You know, he did weird horror. I didn't realize that. And now he's doing Chinatown. But that was also, like, the Robert Evans immediately... Uh, well, not there. It wasn't post Godfather yet, but like the Robert Evans producing era, like okay. Rosemary's Baby was a goddamn beast, right? Yeah, you know, and like Polanski just became synonymous with the idea of like something that's broadly appealing and is art house and right, classy. Right. I can get critics into that. and audiences alike. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It it felt like that. It felt a lot like the way when Tarantino first came mm-hmm. out, where it was like accessible indie shit. Back when independent meant independent. Right. You know, yeah, like, that's But it also had like a genre attached yes, to it. Yeah. You know, Tarantino was like, oh man, this is a really exciting movie. And it's like indie shit that I get. It's yeah, not pretentious. Yeah, right. And I think Polanski sort of had that same thing. Yeah. And then he had to fuck a kid. <laughs> yep. Um, I think that uh, Seven and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are connected in that they are both movies that have Brad Pitt wrestling with dogs endearingly. <laughs> Brad Pitt playing with dogs that he is stern with. Yes. I don't think there's a better dynamic on screen. <laughs> and that dog, Brandy, that is one of the all-time great filmic dog performances. Loved it. 
Loved it. Loved everything with the dog. There's a great shot where when he's first scooping out, when he's making his mac and cheese, yep. and he's scooping out the stuff, and he smells it and does yep. that, and she kind of, he's like, was that a wine? Yeah. Because yeah. I'll throw it away. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. <laughs> and he's like very stern with it. You understand? And then it's a great close-up on the dog who just does a, yeah. and a big, huge, endearing slurp. And then they get back to business. Yeah. And it's such a cute, adorable scene. And it is so important. Yeah. Because it it purchases in that moment, that moment later when he and yes. they start ripping yep. apart text. Yep. That's like that is such good character building disguised as charm. Yeah, yeah. So good. Uh so something interesting that I heard uh Tarantino quoted as saying, and I don't know the exact quote, but something to the effect of like Brad Pitt apparently very actively avoids playing roles that play on his looks. Mm-hmm. He does not like to be thought of as good looking. He doesn't like to use his good looks to get role. Like he's, he want. I think the thing is he wants to be known as an actor. Mm-hmm. He wants his acting to speak for itself and he doesn't want to be regarded as like, yeah, the good looking guy got another starring role. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's how my dad thinks of Brad Pitt. Right. He's just some hunk. Right. You know, he, I guess he like not. actively avoids that and which makes sense if you look at his career choices. Oh, and that's what like, we said earlier yep, about Roby and DiCaprio. Yep, and yeah. Yep. Uh, Apparently, like it, Tarantino had to like convince him to do this because he was like, "This is literally about how I'm good looking." He's like, "Yeah, I know, and you need to be, and that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to like accept that you're good looking, be in my movie to say, be good looking." This is the best Brad Pitt has ever looked on film. I, I Dude know. is straight up fucking hot in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's like really hot in this movie. He needs to be hot for this character to work because mm-hmm. I think part half of what's going on with this character is like he literally is the sexier version of Rick Dalton. Yeah. Like, he's the guy that Rick Dalton plays right, on Bounty Law. Exactly. He's the real-life version. Right. But what's funny is that the real-life version, unfortunately, that can't exist in the real world. He's fucked up. He's fucked up. Yeah. Exactly. It's like... It, 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 and Rick Dalton is like kind of a like a, 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 a... He's got that little bit of a stutter. He's like... Yeah, yeah. He's like kind of a... a, a, a what would you call it? He's almost like a, he's like stunted. He's not yeah. at all the characters that he plays. He's neurotic. Right. Yeah. He can play cool, but yes, he's neurotic. He's yeah. not at all the characters he plays. Mm-hmm. And Cliff is exactly the characters he plays, but he's a fucking nutcase. Mm-hmm. And so like he, <laughs> he definitely killed his wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so like he can't. That's like, a great scene too. The way he looks at her, yes. and he just has the harpoon gun pointed at yes, her, I know. and they cut. I know. That's like <laughs> just the most dark comedy I know. ever. <laughs> It's uh, I She's really just like nagging the fuck out. Of I know. <laughs> I, I love that about the character, though, is that he is, he is exactly what people's image of Rick Dalton is. That mm. is what Cliff is. And Cliff that's could the image have that Rick Dalton wants to play. Yes. Because now he's getting cast as villains and he's going, I, I want to play the hero still. And I think part of Cliff's character is Cliff knows he could have Rick's career. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But. But he, but that, but he's not. He doesn't have the stomach for bullshit. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's not that guy. He's he not. might fight Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yep. might shoot yep. his wife. Yeah. Yep. Do you remember what her last? It's something to this effect. Her last line was something to the effect of, "Oh, you don't want to fight right now? Well, I want to fight right now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that would make me want to kill her. <laughs> it is. What, it's. It's hor- It's like it is such a horrible stereotype of the like nagging oh, woman. Yeah. That they just turn into a total punchline. That like also it, it could be argued a, though. That's his point of view. That's the thing. Is it made me a little uncomfortable? But I also it's like we might also just be watching Cliff's version of this scene. This is play why out. he thought yes. he had to kill yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't have yeah, to ship it. Yeah. We just have to understand it's that that's what is happening. Eerily similar to the reason Lewis kills uh, Bridget Fonda. Just going to mention that up. The <laughs> scariest line yes. in Jackie Brown is when he's like, "So you shot her? Yeah, you fucking shot her." Well, if you had to do it, you had to do it, man. Yeah. Ordell's immediately cool yeah, with it. Yeah. Like, I get it. Sometimes you got to shoot a bitch, right. which is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But ultimately, it is Lewis is eerily similar to that. Yeah. I have, uh, let's see. 
Oh yeah, the, a lot of the supporting cast are kids of celebrities. Yeah, I heard That's about this. That's very interesting. Yeah. Rumor Willis is there. Uh, Harley Quinn Smith yep. is there. Uh, uh, Maya Hawk is there. Yep. Uh, who else is there? There's a few more that are escaping me. Who, by the way, is very good in Stranger Things season three. Very good in Stranger Things. Someone tweeted this too, and it's so true. There is nobody on the planet who is more exactly half and half her parents. Oh, I totally agree. She is even Ethan Hawk even as a performer. Yeah. Even Just as a performer, exactly. Then. There were moments of that show where How I was lucky like, is she? "Oh, that's Ethan Hawke," and then there were other moments where I was like, "Oh, that's Uma Thurman." She is half and half two extremely beautiful and talented people. Yes. She's yep. going to be unstoppable. Yep, and she's funny in this. And that did happen to the Manson family. Oh, really? Uh, after the murders, they had to hitchhike home because one of them was just like, uh, "Fuck it, I'm out." I'm out. Yeah. yeah, and just left with the car. That that's that definitely happened. Yeah. Um, Oh, this was a, a really funny idea about the passing of the torch. I really liked what's-his-name as Steve McQueen in that one scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, does Damien Boucher play him? Is that the character it's he's Damien, playing? Uh, is that how it's pronounced? I don't know. I have no idea how you pronounce his name. Yeah. But he's the dude that has like no lines in Hateful Eight, right? No lines in Hateful Eight. He has all of the lines in Dreamcatcher. But he has a great line in this because he tells the story about J.C. bringing the hairdresser that was sort of with Tate and then she married Polanski, but they're all kind of together. And he's like, so and he says something great. He points at Polanski and he goes, one day he's going to fuck up. And when he fucks up, he's going to swoop in. And it's funny because he's predicting what could have happened if Sebring wasn't murdered alongside Tate. And uh, then uh, the girl that he's saying that to says... She has a type, and then she describes like diminutive, pale face, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And McQueen goes, "Yeah, I never stood a chance." <laughs> yeah. And it's McQueen basically going like, "My days in Hollywood also too may be Our coming number. to an end." Yeah, that's what a man looks like now, not me. Yeah, yeah. And like that's very, and you know, once again, that's another thing that we're sort of contending with now yeah. is like, what does man up? What what should man up actually mean? Yeah, what does yeah, that yeah, look yeah, like? Yeah. You know, what does masculinity look like? As ideally, you know, yes, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, which has always been evolving throughout Hollywood's history with any sort of, yeah. of uh, general blanket uh, yep. assumption about any demographic yeah. has to evolve to keep up. Yeah, um, yeah. Bruce Lee is definitely a flashback. I wrote that, um, which means his character is suspect, even if not. Cliff is not a good guy, right? Um, oh, a, a term that uh, that I thought was really interesting that. Uh, Rick says when he's saying to the little girl about the story he's reading, the story that is an exact parallel of his career. And he says, and I guess as he's just getting older, he gets, quote unquote, slightly more useless. Yeah, yeah. And that made me laugh. He doesn't say he gets less useful, which is where I would think of it. Yeah. Slightly more useless. Useless. Yeah. That is such a more foreboding term. Yes. And we talked about this before. I forget whether it was on air or not. Watching our dads age. One of the funny things about it is dads absolutely demand to be useful. Yes. But I don't think my dad sees himself as becoming less useful with age. I think he sees himself as becoming more useless. And that stings more. Yeah. And that's the moment where we see him starting to cry about yeah. this story. And it's right when he says, slightly more useless. But then we get a great moment of very prescient levity when the little girl says something about, like, oh, you know, blah, 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 and, like, cheers him up. And he goes, don't worry, pumpkin puss. About 15 years, you'll be living it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, you'll be, about 15 years, you'll be living it, which is so sad because she's eight, I believe, yes. which means by the time she is 
25 Hollywood's over for, yep. which... Yep. Uh, realistically... Uh, realistically yeah. is... Yeah. Yeah. Are you Meryl Streep? Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Uh, but then he's like, I, I was just playing around pumpkin puss. Yeah. And then she says something to the effect of like, well, I don't really appreciate being called pumpkin puss, but I'll let it slide because you're feeling blue. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so she's amazing. hardcore. Yeah, she's amazing. Like, but imagine just, oh, being an eight-year-old girl playing against Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Like, what I imagine is... She doesn't even fucking know he's famous, right? Like yeah. I imagine an eight-year-old girl doesn't. She wasn't alive in has 1950. No idea who. No, no, no. By the way, I mean now, today. Oh, oh, I mean yeah, the yeah. actual actress. She that doesn't plays have a sense girl, like we do. She yeah. Must have, it, like that scene must literally be a parallel to what it's supposed to be. Yeah. She must have no idea who Leonardo DiCaprio is or why it matters that she's acting alongside him. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And it fits that character too because yeah. like all she cares about is her acting. Yes. She has that great line where she's like, I prefer to stay in character. And he's like, what, why would you do that? And she's like, well, I always feel like when I stay in character, it makes my performance just a little bit better. And if I can be a little bit better, I want to be a little bit better. Yeah. And like he has this moment of like, that was how I used to think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah, fucking yeah. wasted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. She and if she was like starstruck by yeah. him, it wouldn't work. And the payoff of her being like, "That was the best acting I've ever seen," and him just fucking like he really feeling it, it yeah. that's like it's so good. That's so that wouldn't yeah. feel as earned if she was like, "That's Rick Dalton. Yeah. That's Leonardo DiCaprio." Yeah. yeah. Oh, I also man. I love the idea of him being like, uh, like more than just like, "Oh, I used to feel that way." I like the idea of him being like, "Oh, that's how." Eight-year-olds do the work now. Yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, put me out for. Uh, put me out to pasture. I'm done. I'm. Done. I'm, I'm done for. I'm a has been. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. the way he says that, yeah. and I love that from the trailer to the movie. The line of "Hey, remember, you're Rick fucking Dalton." Yeah, that takes a completely different flavor yes. in context of that moment. Yeah, because in the movie you're like, "Yeah, he's a badass," but in that one you're like, "He needs his job, and he <laughs> yeah. needs to hear that, or else he's yeah. not going to do it." Um, let's see. I almost got Great Escape. I forget who said this, and I wrote down another line. Someone said, "You know, real people, real people are being murdered every day." Yeah, as in like, but I guess that. Oh, okay. I kind of, I kind of remember Wait, that. I forget who said that because I remember context. it sticking out to me too. Because yeah, they were. Someone refers to the idea of like, yeah, there's murder and stuff on TV. Meanwhile, real people are murdered every day. We're yeah, fighting yeah. this. Um, I made the note of. It is once again another storytelling thing. It is. Uh, he doesn't want to. Value was seen as being the hero. Yeah. And it isn't until that one director is just like, I didn't hire you to be Rick Dalton. I hired right. you because you're an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to be a villain. I want you to look nothing like you. And it's funny because, like, that does happen. Like, we really appreciate a good villain. Heath yeah. Ledger is proof that we really appreciate yep. a good villain. But it's funny that our Fast and Furious stars are wrestling now with the idea of, like, I can't be depicted in a way where I'm yes. not the most yes. hero of the heroes. It's very old and Hollywood. It's very old Hollywood. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. And the fact that there's these are movies that have ten heroes in every movie yes. and they have to be most heroes. Yes. It's just funny that that was a currency that in yeah. this movie is is being shown as like that's a dated form of currency. Here we fucking are again because yeah. the more things change, the more they stay the same. Dude, write that down. Most hero is a great title for a parody movie about a bunch of aging action stars oh, having to be in a movie together. The most hero. Most hero. <laughs> Not all most heroes. Yeah. Most hero. Most hero. All right, we're writing it, dude. Let's <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah. I also have another storytelling thing, and this was true. What happened? The Spawn Ranch kids did give people just like shitty horse tours and all that. But they tell the stories of what this ranch is used yeah, for, yeah. whether they fucking know yep. or not. Yep. And uh, 
Yeah, Bruce Dern's character was one of my like favorite weird that things in the movie. Gr- that scene's yeah. intense because you yeah. think violence is going to explode and it doesn't. <laughs> but there's a small line that speaks to that theme again of storytelling. They're like, oh, that was a great mount, Miss Whatever, when yeah, she was yeah. on the horse. She was like, oh, yeah, I used to ride horses every day. And then her husband goes, every day? And she goes, more like once a week. Yeah, yeah. And it's like she immediately went into, I'm a cowboy lady story. Yeah. And then he went into, come on, uh-huh. tell the truth. Yeah. And it's just another moment of, we're telling that's the story we tell ourselves. Yeah. That's the story thing. Um, as she said, DiCaprio as Rick as Caleb is so good. Yes, when he throws her on the floor. Yeah, but I love the director's like throwing her on the floor. What a great touch! <laughs> He's like, well, you said evil, sexy Hamlet. I wanted to go with it, <laughs> and that was what he went. Evil, sexy Hamlet. Yeah, and she has the great line where she was like, I throw myself on the floor just for <laughs> yeah. the heck of it sometimes. Um. Oh, yeah, the Spawn Ranch scene uses the score of what they're watching on TV over the whole yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. That's just good craft. Similar thing happened in Stranger Things Season 3. I hate to keep bringing it up. Stranger Things Season 3 is fucking it's great. It's very good, and they utilize the Back to the Future score yeah. for their own purposes. Like, they don't try and use it to be like, we're going to recreate scenes that this music would play well to. They literally use that music for their own scene. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, It's yeah. really interesting the way they do that. That was... Three was good, man. Very good. Three was very good. I think it was my favorite season a so choice. far. Yeah, yeah. choice. <laughs> um, this is just a great... Uh, <laughs> this is just a note. I just want to read it word for word. When Cliff fucks that dude up over the tire, it's so good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it, when he's... Uh, he's uh, so I'm like, oh, well, you're in luck. You know, I got the spare tire. You can fix it. And the guy's yep. like, fuck you. And they all come run up. And he goes, ladies? And then just, boom, yeah. fucks that dude up so hardcore. Um. I do. Rick and Cliff are just like, they're such fun characters to spend time with. They have a beautiful friendship. Yes, they do. But it's like kind of codependent. I mean, they're both fucked up, but like, I got my boys. You know, I've got people that I'm good friends with where it's like, I don't care what it is. If you need me because of this bond we're in together, this goes to you, man. Uh, I know. This bond we're in together. You need me. I'm nodding back to you to let you know it's the same. I know. A piece of Kurt Russell's narration that I loved. Uh, he says that Rick Dalton was when he was filming overseas was not a fan of quote unquote every actor speaks their own language Tower of Babel bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did not like that. But that's like that is one of those very funny things yep. about spaghetti wef- westerns is none of them knew what the other one was nope. saying. They just spoke in their language and we'll dub it or we'll whatever. Yeah. It's, we'll fix it later. It's really funny. I like. Oh yeah, to their relationship, it's referred to as Cliff and uh, uh, Rick sees Cliff as more than a brother but less than a wife. Yes. Love that. I really love that. I I truly think this is an intentional thing in the movie. I do think we're supposed to walk away and go, are those dudes in love? They are in love. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that they're in love with but one like, another. But like, uh, I guess like even more specifically, like, is there a, a secret gay relationship here? Or at the very least, would there be one if these two guys were willing to just fucking drop the act and go for it? Whether you know what they I mean? would go for it or not, I think is irrelevant. I think the fact that they're very clearly attracted to one another yeah. beyond just being good friends. Yeah. You know, and that happens all the time. Yeah. But like they they love one another and they're attracted to one another. But I, I, yeah. the reason I'm bringing it up is I kind of love the idea of making what you could uh, argue as like a sort of gay love story without ever actually having to say oh, yeah. that's what it is or tell I mean, that tell he it is that not way. interested in his wife right he's interested in what she represents yep. you know and in that sense she's like a beard you know well a- and when uh, the kids do show up 
Cliff never even mentions that Rick is there, yeah, but yeah. he very specifically tells them exactly where Cliff, where Rick's wife is that they can yeah, go yeah, murder yeah. her. That's true, yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, just the Italian brought him <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, that's he, true. He like very specifically is like, please go take her out of this equation, and my friend will Yeah, I'll worry this. about dealing yeah, with yeah. that. That's tr- I never even thought of it that way, yeah, but it is yeah, true. He yeah. just immediately says her... Um, I, I like that they refer to, and this was another great piece of narration. That night, during the intro of that night, they yeah. refer to it as the hottest night of the year. Oh, right. And quote unquote, that Sharon Tate was feeling a bit of pregnancy induced melancholy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought that was a very wonderful turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought was cool, a uh, period detail that's correct. Uh, the piano that uh, what's her name is playing mm-hmm. in the the Tate house. She's playing Mamas and the Papas Straight Shooter. I've heard and about that, this. That uh, they show the sheet music. Right. That's one thing that uh, in recreations of the crime that always came into play was we think they were having a musical party. We found that sheet music right. for Straight Shooter. So that's like you know kind of thing there. Um, one of the aspects of the end, people ask, and we asked this already, how much of that was the acid trip? Right. But I really like just the line of, and away we go, as he smokes it. Yeah. Um, that was fun. Well, and I, you know, I think that's what the acid cigarette buys you, right? Is like this whole thing is about storytelling and mythologizing and what's real, what's a lie, what's truth. He smoked an acid cigarette. And so like in doing so, it's like, I don't know what of this is true or a lie or mythologizing or is true to him, but not anybody else that might have been there, or his experience, but not somebody else's. Like, the acid cigarette is a perfect way to just be like, yeah, like, that is what I want you to think about in this yeah. movie. I want Anything you I want you to be like, what's real, what's not real, what, you know, it's, and, and uh, so much so that it's a shame I have to put this acid cigarette in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you should be thinking about those things already, just in case you're not. Cliff's going to smoke an acid cigarette because mm. that's what you should be thinking about. And that also gets us a great bit of humor. Yes. Um, but what I like, too, is him reacting to it as he's, like, tripping and stuff Yeah, uh, is a little bit of an act for those people. Yes. Because the second they go in, my first thought is, oh, man, what if Cliff dies? Right. But at the same time, I now don't believe there was ever a second where he didn't feel completely in control right. of that situation, yeah. thriving in the chaos of it, yep. because he, like, does the... Yeah. Like that kind of a thing. And he's yeah. laughing and, oh, I remember you. Yeah, yeah. I saw you at the ranch. Haha. <laughs> Boom. And yeah, then it's yeah, on. Yeah. He's smashing heads on yeah. phones and it's just crazy. fucking shit up. It's so It's, it's so crazy. such a great release of tension, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is. I mean, it's uh, it's always weird to praise violence in movies, I think. Uh, but Tarantino, I, I think, has a really good way with it. I agree. I, I do. This movie, bra- this might be his best use of his hyperviolence. Yeah. It breaks out into Tarantino hyperviolence. At the moment that this movie needs to become a pressure cooker and boil mm-hmm. over for me to be able to walk away and go, man, that was cool. And then start chewing on the other details that have nothing to do with the great pressure cooker ending. Yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And it's that's another part that is also because it's informed by the Tate LaBianca murders. Yeah. It's like... I now officially know something's very different. Yes. Yeah, the second yeah, yeah, that yeah, happens. Yeah. Also as a cigarette. But like something's yeah. very, very different. So... You know, the that's pretty close to when they say pregnancy-induced melancholy. Yeah. That, that line, I think, is meant to trigger where we go, this is about to be very bad for her. Yes. Um, the song that they play in the montage before that final yeah. night is uh, Rolling Stones. The baby, 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 you're out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby, you're out of time. Literally, yeah. she's got a baby in her. Yeah. She's going to die tonight. Yeah. Ultimately does not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that whole moment with Brad Pitt, like... 
hinges upon us suddenly being like, wait a minute, all this dread I've been feeling might be completely different. Right. I don't know what's up. And th- and that is where I do understand the criticisms of like, you know, if I if I, I went into it not knowing much about the Manson stuff, and so I didn't get it, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could understand why. It definitely does rely, like all that tension only exists if we know she's supposed to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people, even who know about the Manson murders to some degree, or at least in a culturally relevant sense, don't know that he didn't do it. Right. They they don't know that it was his lackeys yep. were given vague instructions and just did it. It's uh, The only reason I have context for this is I remember learning about Manson when I was a kid in school, but I just remember it being a passing thing that we read in history yeah. that I then was like, wait, what happened? And yeah. like went home and looked it up. You knew it was a benchmark event, right. and that's it. Yeah. And then looked it up, and so I knew some things, like he wasn't even there. It was actually the, the you know some of his acolytes. Uh, oh, that's a good word. You know, like Sharon Tate. Like, you know, it was like, then I find those things out. And then in college, I saw like a really weird documentary that was like, Basically mounting a defense for Charles Manson, I feel like, which is super dumb. Syrupy territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but was also a very good documentary about the trial and the details of it, right? So like, I would recommend, and you should listen to it, there's like a 12 or 13 episode arc of You Must Remember This. I would love to listen to it. I, yeah. I've listened to it twice through. It's just a really, really in-depth, and uh, it reminded me of the... of. Uh, uh, the O.J. Simpson Made in America thing, where it gives so much surrounding cultural context yeah. that you realize why this was such a huge cultural trigger when it yeah. happened. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, that's the thing is, like, this documentary, I was very uncomfortable, but I don't even know the name of it, so I couldn't even, like, tell people what, what to avoid. But it, It's like, called The Amazing Charlie yeah, Manson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it provided a lot of interview footage with him in prison now. It provided a lot of very good, just, like, research about... Um, him, who he was, the cult that he led, um, uh, a lot of sort of cultural background on like Satanism at the time, what people thought of it, how mm. you know how it was involved, because he also was involved with the Church of Satan at one point, like in there too. They're they're like somehow attached to that story. Yeah, yeah. and the um, Beach Boys. Y- yes, yep. So anyway, it was like it actually did give me just enough details that this movie made a lot of sense to me. Do you mm. know what I mean? Mm. Even though I, it's been years since I saw that, I don't remember a lot of the nitty gritty details. But I do remember just enough of them that it's like, oh, yeah, this all made sense to me. I understood what was happening. The tension worked for me. I could understand not like I walked into having those details on accident throughout Mm -hmm. my life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, So I could understand not having those details and being like, what? Like, why is this? Where is this going? Yeah, Yeah. Like, and why is this ending supposed to mean anything? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you need to understand the subversion for the theme to come together. Agreed. You need to understand what the change. And once again, with Inglorious Bastards. Everybody knows Hitler killed himself. That's like everyone's right. favorite piece of trivia yeah, about yeah. about Hitler. Yeah. And so to have this cathartic moment yeah. like that, this goes for that same catharsis, but it's a catharsis that is probably more personally important to someone like Tarantino, yeah. who this is the realm Agreed. of history yeah. that he's interested and in. And he also, it is to the, the I believe, lived this history where you and I read mm-hmm. this history. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think, how old is he? He's like... In his fifties, I think so. so. He was probably born early sixties, maybe like sixty three or something, and that was sixty nine. I think so. 69. Here, let's look this up. Let's find out. Because if he didn't, probably a child, but if that's, he, I was a child when OJ happened. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like if he didn't live it, I, I would imagine he's closer to it, close enough that I think yeah, it yeah. matters to him in ways that he it was alive for during our generation. It, undoubtedly, yeah. Like that's what I mean. It's like he at least would have been around when this was like literally a part of the 
cultural consciousness in a way that it is not for our generation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he was born in 63. 63. And, and oh, that, I nailed it. And that was the summer of 69? Yeah. Do I have so that right? So that would be, yes. So then it so would be... So he would have been um, like six. Six, yeah. And uh, I, you know, when, when OJ happened, I guess I was a little older than that. I was like nine or something. Yeah, OJ was, if it was 94, I think. I was like 10. Oh, so I wasn't even that old. I was like, I, I actually was. I think like, it was 94. I don't know. It might have been later. I, I know I got the... Oh, wait, no. For some it, reason, I was thinking 96. The trial was later because I remember we watched the verdict in class when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Which is an insane thing now. That oh, okay. And so, yeah. So I would seventh have only grade, been in like fourth I or fifth grade. I was 96 to 97 was that year. Oh, okay. So, that is what I was thinking. 96. Yeah, so I would have been 12, 13. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So During I think, the... Uh, 12, 13 during the... Oh, the trial. The end of the trial. Oh, but so... But that was, I believe, like two years, wasn't it? Oh, interesting. It? So maybe it was so, like like 11, 12. So I'm only like... So, so I'm about happened. that age. I'm six, seven. And I do remember the Bronco so, going down the street. I remember all Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like... We're at... I think it was 94 because I think we're at 25 years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Which is why we're now rebooting the series so with then OJ on Twitter. It does make sense to me that this is like in his brain. The way that yeah. the OJ stuff is like in my brain. You know what I mean? Like mm. I just know it. It's kind of cool now that like true crime is huge, yeah. And this movie like leaned into the idea like we're getting into some true crime, and then just issued it almost entirely. Yep. Yep. That's pretty cool. That's a clever marketing ploy. Yeah, I like. But that. I could also see how that would rub someone the wrong totally. way as well. Yeah, yeah. But so man, it's like oh, I man. get it. There is some baggage you need to come into this movie yeah. with. I think that um, could make it difficult to enjoy. I think it's, a but movie I also that don't think it's re- that it, like rewatches will help with. Yeah. Well, I also don't think it's a movie to me. I don't think it's the movie's responsibility to educate me on no, that. No, no. Do you know what I mean? I know like, exactly what you mean. I, I, like, if I don't have that knowledge going in, it's not. it might not work for me, and so I might not like the movie, and that's all totally fine and valid. But I don't think that's like the the movie's fault. The movie well, d- is the not question, required. Do you really to want the movie me? to no. be that much longer nope. to have that nope. in there? Eh, you know, I, I would rather walk away from this movie and go like, I didn't get that. Start and, and either. Just forego it all together and then never think about it again, or go like, I wonder why, and yeah, do the I research, look that up. and then yeah, I think about Tarantino though. Uh, love him or hate him, there's no denying that he educated an entire entire generation of film enthusiasts yeah. on films they wouldn't have seen otherwise. Agreed. You know, like I without Tarantino, I've never seen Sonny Chiba movies. Right. Without Tarantino, I didn't go back and watch City on Fire. I didn't go back and watch. I Black watched Vanishing Point because of him. Vanishing, but like yeah. all of this stuff we went and saw, and so like. I think there's a piece of him that maybe just felt like if I subvert this and they don't get it, they might go back and create a love for that era that I have. Yeah. Because they've researched it. You yeah. Know, like I think he's always done it. Um, you want to move on to our list? You want to wrap up pee. some? Hol- yeah. All right. So let's let's wrap Hollywood talk. We'll take a quick break. Come back to our lists. I want to say that the uh, Robert Richardson, I believe, is the DP. Oh, okay. Cinematography. Yeah. Um, and he's awesome. Did a wonderful job here. Yeah, it looks um, great. I wanted to sit in this movie forever. It's a beautiful looking movie. <laughs> the use of miniatures, the use of uh, re-retroed uh, icons. Yeah. I love the aspect that this world of Hollywood is the one that he... There is a fantasy world to it. There's yeah. a soft focus yep. to it. Um, you know, I love that Cliff lives behind a drive-in. And that drive-in was done with miniatures. I love... That's uh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Driving was done with miniatures. And I think some of the overhead shots at the end when they walk up the driveway yeah. does that. Might have been that. Might have been a crane shot. But cool. either way, there's so much cool craft here. Everyone's seen that picture on Twitter of the highway that's shut down with all of the lights on it oh, so yeah. that they can yeah. drive through it. There's so much indulgent just, I want to show what it's like to drive around. It, like 
Tarantino probably thinks in his head, I would have loved to have been of driving age in 1969 so I could listen to the mamas and the papas, cruise around and have L.A. look like this. Yep. I want to do that. Yep. I want to create that. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen for you. There was so much driving around that I noticed that most driving scenes had two needle drops. Yeah. Where you'd get half of one song yep. and then it would cut to like a couple minutes later on the ride. Yeah. Just more driving, but with a different needle yep. drop. Uh, the shot of Polanski and Tate tearing around the streets, yeah. like really aggressively driving through the hills, reminded me of Phantom Thread. Uh, that's what they did for fun when they wanted to be bad. When um, what's his name? I've not seen this yet. Woodcock. Oh, uh, yes, uh, Reynolds Woodcock. I yeah. always got him Cockpepper. <laughs> uh, when Cockpepper and Friends, there's a lot of scenes where it's just them giddily driving around, and it looks terrifying yeah. in this old timey car. Granted, most of that is done while looking at them head on as yeah. opposed to over their Behind, shoulders. Yeah. But it had that same energy. And I loved that it captured the idea of like Cliff's cruising through. Yeah. Polanski and them are tearing through. Yeah. And you just get all of that. And it's like there is a joy to the bond you have with a place when you're driving around listening to music. And whereas I think a lot of people could correctly and accurately call those scenes boring and extraneous, yeah. I felt that they were enveloping and warm. And I, yeah. ju- I really loved that. It, That's it cool. was such a cool realm of... This is the best movie I've seen all year. I'll call yeah. it. I, I absolutely love this. That's great. Yeah. I, ha- I have no idea where I would like rank it in the year, but I do kind of think it's going to be one of those movies that like, wherever I put it, I'm going to regret it years from now. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Honestly, and I will probably feel the same way even putting it at number one right now because there's probably something that deserves it more. But I really have not stopped thinking about it and just marveling at how enjoyable I found it. Yeah, I I really did enjoy that movie. It just is, like, really fun to watch. Like, that was, like, when Tori and I got out of the movie, we were both just, like, that was just, like, good. Yeah, it's just fun. It was really fun to watch. I did not want it to end. I really could have sat in that world forever. And it was just, it was cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed Matt Singer's review on it because he talked about how, you know, during the time jump when it went black because he saw it in 35 millimeter, he could hear the clicking yeah. of the projector. And like I had that experience and I didn't think to embrace it the way he did because I read his review after I saw yeah. the movie. But like that was part of it. And yep. I and in releasing it in 35 and shooting it in 35, I think Tarantino just wanted to remind everybody like, uh, I love doing this. This is why we love going. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, that works for me. It, that video of him on set of Inglorious Bastards that I love, yeah. where he's like, "Cut, we're gonna do it one more time." Why are we gonna do it one more time? We and everyone on set goes, "Because movies. we all love making movies." That's right. Yeah. And I think this was just one last hurrah of like, yeah. I do this because of that. Yeah. Let's do that one more time. Yeah, yeah. Question for you: Did yeah. you see it in thirty-five millimeter? Yeah. Do you think that some of the cigarette burns and splotches on the screen were added? Totally. I do, too. Yeah. because I think I, there was some not real ones. Well, and now having watched a lot of 35mm movies where it's not even a new movie, it's a fucking 30-year-old print of something, yeah, and, yeah. like exhumed stuff, those things are rarely as obvious and, yeah. and, and out loud and in your face as they are and once he wants you to notice those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm asking. So yeah. whether they are added or not, I think he did physically put them there Their somehow. Choices. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like they, they didn't occur naturally. Yes. Yeah. I think they were choices yeah. too. Yeah. Word. I do Word. I think so. Yeah. I love this movie, man. Yeah. Love it, love or it, love it. Or we saw a fucking great print of that movie. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you and I probably saw the same 35 Roxy. millimeter print of it. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. honestly, and I, I always say, like, I don't think the Roxy is a very comfortable theater. I agree. But in terms of projection, masking, and yep. sound, they're the best in the city. Yep. And I, I thank them for doing it in 35 it mil. It looked absolutely yep. fantastic. It, yeah. was, it was good stuff. Yeah. 
All right, let's come back in a minute and we'll do some top DiCaprio and Pitt performances. Yeah, into it. DiCaprio. Dr. Nick Papa Giorgio. Do you remember that? What's That's that from? Uh, Vegas Vacation. Vegas Vacation, baby. <laughs> Hands down, my favorite vacation movie. Uh, are there any more damn questions? Yeah, we're going to get some damn bait. <laughs> that is the laziest, best joke <laughs> ever. It's so good. That movie is so full of them. Uh, I, I won the money. Yeah. Fucking Sid Caesar makes a cameo as a dying old man. <sighs> I loved Brilliant. that movie when I was 10. I rented it, it a whole bunch. It was on all the time. Yeah. My favorite gag in that movie is, uh, no, Clark, we're going to go to a different kind of casino. Yeah. And they go to the one, and the main game in the front is what number am I thinking of? <laughs> and you see the dealer has his hands behind his back, and someone's pantomiming, guessing, and the dealer just shakes his head no. <laughs> yeah. And the whole t- like, what's so good about that gag is like, yeah, these are easier games, according to uh, Randy Quaid. I yeah. forget uh, his character's name. Me too. But Cousin that, Eddie. Cousin Eddie. But that game in Function is like the most easily pervertible and cheatable game on behalf of the house yes. ever. It's so <laughs> it's funny. so good. I love it. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> Bone Tomahawk, we're back. Uh, ready to do our top five Leonardo DiCaprio and or Brad Pitt performances. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And I also, oh, I'll wait till we get to the end. I want to share a film thing that I saw while overseas that I think is super interesting. Oh, please, go ahead. And worth, should we do that now or wait to the list? Uh, I'll share it now. You now share, it, got share it. So I was recently uh, in Scotland for the Edin- Edinburgh, Edinburgh <laughs> Fringe Festival. And I saw this thing there that I would love to promote because it's the most fascinating film adjacent performance I think I've ever seen. Okay. It's called Manual Cinema. You can, okay. I believe it's manualcinema.com. And Manual Cinema is a show where they make a movie in front of you live. Okay. And so what I saw was Manual Cinema Frankenstein. Okay. And so they told a version of the Frankenstein tale, but like kind of a really clever new version. But here's how it works. On stage, there's a giant screen. Yeah. And what we watch on that screen looks, by all accounts, to be a written, directed, shot, cut, and edited, and now here for you film. Yeah. But it's not that. It is all being... Filmed, recorded, transitioned, and everything live by the people on stage under the screen that are making a movie. There's musicians, actors, actresses, puppeteers, and you can't even really see what they're doing because they're just running around like crazy. They've got cameras. They're doing puppeteering. Yeah, They're not designed to be looked at, but they are designed to be recognized as there while you watch what looks like a complete movie on the screen. That's cool. It was insane. That's amazing. Even now, I feel like I'm not doing it justice of describing just what it is. But all I know is that I'm going to be following Manual Cinema's schedule. I know they're Chicago-based. Wherever they are that's near me, I'm going. That it is sounds the coolest so cool. thing I've ever seen. Manual I would love Cinema. To see that. Check it out. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was nuts. That's really cool. Yeah. Very, very cool oh, stuff. I loved and so it. it was their Frankenstein. Yeah. And you know, like Frankenstein was played by a puppet. Yeah. It's played by somebody in makeup and a mask. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. So cool. Cool. Yeah. Manual that cinema. Awesome. So highly recommend that. Love it. That's so great. Check it out. Uh, okay, so let's talk about DiCaprio and Pitt. So here's, like, I think this list is going to be interesting to just sort of talk about conceptually and then just go through them. Uh, because I went through both actors' lists. I was surprised at how few credits Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, has. Same. Um, and I was surprised to find... I thought what I was going to end up with was, like, a list of five for each of them that I was, like, passionate about. Like, these are good roles that they've each played, and then I'd have to figure out which ones I liked more than others. 
And I ended up, I would have had to force myself to choose a third DiCaprio performance. Yeah. And that is not meant to be a slight on DiCaprio, who I think is a really good actor, but there were only two that I was like, I really like these performances. Mm -hmm. It's not that I like the movie they're in or how he functions in the movie. It's I like these performances. I tried to focus on performance as well, and I had the same difficulty. I actually ultimately went with three and three. Yeah. uh, Just... Because that was That's the best fine. I could do. I would. I, I tried to actually. I literally would have had to force myself to yeah. just like choose one where I was like, "Well, I like this movie a lot, and he's good in it." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which the uh, the two that I chose, it's like I I really like these performances in addition to or despite the movie, mm-hmm. whichever you know. Yeah, I learned. I'm. I don't want to say I prefer Brad Pitt, right. but it was easier to make selections of Brad Pitt because he's done a lot of stuff that I really love. I had five easy for him. Yeah, that, yeah. that I whittled down to 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 make. The I list. cut it to three and yeah. three just because yeah. that was the most fair I could do. Yeah. Equal opportunity lauder of people who don't need my support. But I also will say, I found a very similar thing with Pitt, where like I'm looking through his filmography and I like most of the movies. Mm. But as far as like, do I really like the Brad Pitt performance in that movie? I like the Oceans movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't go to them for the Brad Pitt of it all. I almost put Rusty on, but then I realized... It's not Rusty that I love in those movies. Right. It's the interplay between Rusty and right. Danny Ocean. Yes. They are. F- There's a great scene in one of them where Brad Pitt walks in and George Clooney's watching Oprah or something. <laughs> and he's like, what are you watching? He's like, Oprah, they're uh, giving these. Uh... He's like, what are you crying? And he's like, well, th- no, no, I'm not crying. They're like giving these. Uh, people homes that that don't have homes or something (laughs) they're rebuilding their houses and then like it cuts back to brad pitt who's like very moved by this yeah he's just like oh yeah that's that's like good man (laughs) he immediately goes from like i'm not you know are you crying yeah yeah. i'm not i'm also not crying (laughs) it's a great interplay that they're both so soft and so hard at the same time (laughs) yeah but no not on my list but yeah yeah i just i don't know i felt like stuff like that i was like there's a lot of that in brad pitt's career where it's like i like these movies and he's good in them but that's uh uh that's not why I come to this movie. Yeah, except yeah. For the Brad Pitt of it all, um, but uh, he is more of like a character actor, and he has done a lot more interesting stuff. Mm. I think so. I, I had quite a few to choose from for him. I think that Pitt has done more. I don't want to say versatile because I, I don't think they have like a similar style at all. I don't want to. I agree. Very different that. acting styles. Yeah, but I think that I've seen Brad Pitt do more things that. Uh, require him to do a more extreme transformation i think that's what it is like if you watch him in 12 monkeys where he's like crazy you watch him in true romance where he's you know the stoner yeah these are all things that aren't typically brad pitt whereas i think that dicaprio what was the word you used earlier about dicaprio's performances uh what did i say i don't know because i I, when i said the aviator he was like kind of dweeby and all these it was like a big like a the word i don't know what did it was I something to the to the idea of like it's kind of like a classic old school performance oh he's like, capital a acting capital a acting yeah that yeah, was yeah, the, yeah and most of his are that where it's like you know he's he's yes. presenting yes. dicaprio to they, the they thing. actually play with that very wonderfully in once upon a time in hollywood yes yeah, yeah, yeah. his nature as that kind of actor and he's good at at yeah. both yes but yeah and i just think historically they show different things yeah i agree do you want to go first or sure. want me to go first? I go first i mean i have six i could just knock one off oh, good point. go for it do, do it okay um and I guess we'll just throw this away because I don't have much to say about it. But uh, sure. on my six, I put Calvin Candy uh, oh, as yeah. the leader of Candyland in uh-huh. uh, Django Unchained uh, for DiCaprio because that is a time when DiCaprio was really called upon to be a character. Yes. And he is, we always say, a Looney Tunes villain. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a mustache-twirling, yep. phrenology-believing yeah. slave owner yep. uh, who is just evil and dirty and takes such glee in, in diminu- you know 
being diminutive towards a race. He definitely relishes in getting to really chew on a character, yeah. you can tell. He likes being yeah. evil, and I get the sense that that character isn't just evil because that's what the way the times were and right. people just held slaves. He's high on his own supply, man. He's high on his own supply, <laughs> man. He, that's a very good way to put yeah. it. That dude likes being evil, yeah. knows he's evil, yeah. but who's going to stop him? Yes. Uh, which is why I love that when uh, when uh, uh, Dr. Dr. King <laughs> wasn't going to shoot him, yeah. he was just going to leave, but then when he demanded he shake his hand, he shot him, and his reason was, I just couldn't help myself. Yeah. And that speaks to like, yeah, he just saw him was like, this evil guy's got to get shot. I can't have yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great DiCaprio performance that's that very committed, and I think... Uh, I think more deserving of an Oscar than his Revenant performance, which I think is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, it is a good performance. So Calvin Candy is my I like that. That's a good choice. Um, so my number five is also DiCaprio, and it is his performance. Now I can't remember the character's name off the top of my head. It might be Frank in Catch Me If You Can. That is also on my list, so we'll just call it my five as well so we can move past That's it. That's great. It's Frank Abagnale Jr. Yes, I think he's very good in that movie. That movie demands that he be a chameleon. Yeah. And, it, and a charmer. Yes. I'd and like I, to buy you a steak dinner. And I, I remember it was one of the first... Now, I'm I'm very young when he's up and coming as well, right? So mm. my experience with this is probably somewhat unique or based on the fact that I was also young. But I remember it being one of the first times that I was like, oh, DiCaprio is like an actor. Yeah, he's not a hunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a hunk, like, but he's not a... Yeah, like he's an actor. Like yeah. he's very good in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I think that's like, that is, it's a movie that is just very good. It's like a really good movie. It's probably... Knock, knock. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. It's probably one of my favorite, like sort of, you know, my era Spielberg movies. That's a great true crime movie, if you yeah, want to call yeah, it Yeah, that's true. It's true. Carl Hanratty yeah. and Frank Abagnale Jr. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, good. And, and lots of performances that are very good in it, but I, I think he's very good in that that's movie. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's like is. a truly like one of the greats, great movies in my opinion. I agree. And we don't classically think no. about it as one. I, mean, I don't think it's disliked in any. I circles, would say it's definitely the best uh, Spielberg of like literally my lifetime. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of, like, yeah. The, the oh, time I gotta give that, that to Bridges Spies. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's yeah. got a Cohen script, uh-huh. so it's yeah. you know, but it's yeah. great. It's uh, so do you want to take the next one then? Like we'll burn that one, but you can be the one to announce your yeah, next one. To, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm honestly this is just doing top three DiCaprio than top three. Sure, do I it. don't even have an order. Yeah. Um. So I'll throw another DiCaprio in there. Um. I don't even know if you've seen this movie, but uh, he really is like next level fantastic in The Wolf of Wall Street uh, as Jordan Belfort. I have seen that movie, and it's the other DiCaprio movie oh, on my list. Right on. Right, so let's, let's talk about it, it yeah. because. He is really fantastic in that He's movie. He's fantastic. He, when he roofies himself dude, and has to get to the car, it's that's tragic and funny and despicable, and you hope he makes it to the car so he can drive while high. It's all of that. Insane. It, I mean, that is the scene I think of. Like as soon as I, as soon as it was like, what are your favorite DiCaprio performances? I didn't even think of him as the character. I thought of him in this scene mm. where he is crawling to his own car. Yeah, because it is it's so funny. It's so funny, it's but pathetic. it's it's also really. I just think like very brave. It's like one of the bravest things I've ever seen an actor do. That is such a huge physical performative thing. Yeah. And to sell it and nail it and make it all of those layers that you just mentioned is like some next level. I would not even dare to try to, I would be too embarrassed to try and even like physically do that with my own body in Mm -hmm. front of other people. 
Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? It's big. It's yeah. huge. It's so it fits. It's yes. so real because yeah. that character's so big. I've never seen I anything think like that it. That scene though is probably why the movie received the pushback of it endorses his behavior. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think it endorses his behavior. No, no. At all. I, agree. I think that's kind of a ridiculous criticism. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I can understand if you have that criticism, that scene being what lubricates it into existence. Yeah. Because that is a scene where we are sort of laughing with him. Yeah. Because you have to, despite the fact that we're hoping he can drive intoxicated, <laughs> yes. which yeah, is yeah. like yeah. real fucked up. But that's crazy. That's like just that's that's, you know, a hundred masters working yeah. together, one yeah. of them happening to be DiCaprio. Yeah. And he but he's like really good in that whole movie. But yeah. that is just that is the fucking scene. If you're talking about like what are the what are the heights to which DiCaprio can go? It's like it's it's that. Yeah, he goes big he when he's fucking screaming and just like motivating people, yeah. and they're throwing little people around and like just doing coke on planes and stuff. Yeah. It all has to be because he's this freewheeling, yes. completely in control of chaos dude. Yeah, who's actually just flailing. But yes. like that is like it's that incredible. is a performance of. A lifetime. It's incredible. And now, what's weird is now that I'm thinking about it in my head, I was like, "What other Scorsese has he done?" I think he's actually pretty great in the in the Departed. Yeah, he um, is, and he's very good in the Aviator. Yeah, yeah. Like he's very good in in these movies. I just I don't for some reason I don't think of those movies as like ah this is when I this is the DiCaprio yeah. performance that I'm so Wolf of Wall Street with. was like the yeah. one where it was yeah. like damn this guy can. Yeah can yeah. work yeah he's working yeah it's you know the departed i like for a lot of reasons he is one of them but not but he's not mark Wahlberg's character. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's he's not the reason i'm there to see that i'm movie, the guy who really. does his job you must be the other guy yeah, I yeah love yeah. that shit yeah. you want to uh, get a smoke you smoke no you're one of those health freaks you don't you, health freaks you don't smoke fuck you <laughs> <laughs> so here I'll, I'll give you i guess my first uh, uh brad pitt then first pit uh my first pit you already brought it up is 12 monkeys which oh, i right think on. is a truly great i left that off my list because i knew it was gonna be on I, yours i love yeah. that performance I, it's so good it feels like something only brad pitt could do mm. if that makes sense it's such a weird thing and it feels like something only he could pull off in a way that like I just buy within the context of this movie, you know? Mm. It's it's very big, it's very bold, it's very It's daring. weird that he feels like an actual real damaged I, person I and not a caricature of one yeah. despite totally being a caricature. Yeah, exactly. Of one. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. He's I just really like him in that movie and it's such a weird performance. That's such a cool ass movie it's, too. I love that movie. That's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. And he's very good in it, I think. Yeah. And and it feel, you know, uh, despite, uh, I guess, him not wanting me to feel this way, I definitely kind of do. It is one of those performances where I'm like, part of why I like it so much is because you're otherwise just a fucking hunky dude. Yeah, yeah. And it's so weird and interesting to that see role, an otherwise hunky dude do this. If 12 Monkeys was made now, that role would be Tom Hardy. Right, yes. Yeah. And, and and wouldn't be as interesting with Tom yeah. Hardy, I don't think. You and know it would be mean? called Venom. Yes. And it yeah. would be about the Venom story. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, w- it wouldn't be as interesting with him doing it. It yeah. would be good, but it wouldn't be as interesting. And that came out, what was that, 97, I want to say? Yeah, like the height that of That was right Brad when, Pitt, yeah, right? he was like, yeah. oh, he's seven years in Tibet guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's exactly. me, Joe Black. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I can name one more old one, Legends of the Fall. Yeah. He's uh, a... Yeah. One of my favorite things on uh, it was never called attention to, but I used to watch a lot of the Tom Green show. Oh yeah, a lot of it, and um, in a lot of sketches, I noticed he had plain white shirts, and on them in just black text would be just titles of a Brad Pitt movie. Oh really? And that that would just be it. It would just be Seven Years in Tibet, Legends of the Fall. Uh, 
oh, what was the one? The Devil's Own. Uh-huh. And like he never called attention to the really thing, funny. but it was something that I noticed. I'm like, what are these shirts? Yeah. Oh, those are all Brad Pitt movies. That's really funny. And it's funny because it's at the time that those movies were new and Brad Pitt wasn't what we know him to be now. Yeah. He was still fighting that hunk thing. And right. Yeah. He didn't have a 12 Monkeys shirt. At least not that I saw. Give me your lowest rated Brad Pitt movie. That's a funny way to say it. Um, I mean, it's the only way, but it's it, more more useless. Like yes, yeah. Um, Andrew Dominic's Killing Them Softly. He I haven't a seen that. a character named Jackie. That movie is I remember when up. that came out. Is that like maybe like, oh my God, is that almost 10 years ago now? Is no, that that's old? like 2012, okay, 2011, it's not that old. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is still almost 10 yeah, years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm 35. It's crazy. What the fuck? It's crazy. Ow. Yeah. Ow. I know. <laughs> Stop it. I know. But happy birthday. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah. And, um, uh, it's fucking weird, though. Halfway to 70, baby. Yeah. Still haven't figured it out. You are middle um, age. It's happening. Yep. Not yet. Five years to middle age. Yeah, I'm yeah. mid-30s, which I'm holding on to until 37. At 38, I'll take late 30s. And I'll take almost <laughs> 40 and then 40. Uh-huh. But believe me, I don't give a fuck. It's, <laughs> this shit's good. This shit is good. Um, Killing Them Softly is the same director as uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh, I didn't know that. By the dashboard light. Which he heaven. is also in. Yes, he is also in, right. and he's fantastic in. Okay, I've never that seen movie, it. You, you would, it's yeah. like... Good, like Would real like good stuff. Yeah. And it has everybody in a great Casey Affleck performance, yeah. just everything. But uh, I like his performance in Killing Them Softly a lot. It's a smaller movie. It's actually really short, but it's like, it's Isn't just like a small mob movie. Ray Liotta's in it, uh, but it, it's like more modern mob. Scoot McNary's in it, but it's really grimy. It's really mean-spirited. And Pitt has a great line where someone's just like, ah, this is America. And he's like, and America's a business. Now give me my fucking money. Whoa. He's like, we're not yeah. this, We're not a country. We are a business. Yeah. We get paid. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind of like an immediate, uh, it is like a immediately post-Bush movie. And where the idea of like, you know, We've clearly been able to be bought and sold, and so it was contending with that a little bit. But it's just a mean-ass thriller, and Brad Pitt is scary as shit in it. That's cool. Yeah, killing them softly. I'm trying. What's that actor's name that I think might be in it, but I'm not sure if he's in it. He was in The Shape of Water. He was in. He was our favorite character in Bone Tomahawk. He uh, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, is he in Killing Them Softly? Why he do I is, think that? Because there is a lot of scenes of just him and Brad Pitt driving around, together? negotiating that things, the, the and it's a joy when they do. That's okay. like much of the movie. Okay, but but there's also like there's a scene where Ray Liotta gets the absolute fucking shit kicked out of him, and the way that it is filmed is guttural. It, Whoa, that movie rules, and yeah. nobody's really seen it. But yeah, Brad Pitt is legit upsetting in it yeah it's, it's good that's interesting yeah uh so for my next we're one not I'm a country we're a business now that's good fucking money i gotta ah! see that that sounds good it's good stuff uh my next one is uh quentin tarantino and glorious bastards is it on your list as well it is not on my list yeah. uh because like my number one is like kind of a novelty pick but sure, uh I, I, I already had a tarantino on here but yeah. It should be on my list. Aldo Rain is like he's great, so good. He's really good. In fact, Cliff Booth is like a little bit using the Aldo Rain voice, which I thought was yeah. interesting. When Aldo Rain is trying to pretend to be Italian, yes, he's very Cliff Boothy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, and that Hello actually me. that's the scene that I think of when I'm like, oh, is Brad Pitt like really good in that movie, or is that movie really good? That movie is really good, but he's really good in it. And that scene where <laughs> he has to pretend to be Italian. 
but he's so American and has this injury that he yeah. really cannot do anything to fake it, but also is such a badass. He doesn't fucking care that he can't fake yeah, it. He just wants he, to have some drinks. Yeah, and he it. knows he's going to pull it off anyway. It's like, it's so good. Gorlami. Yeah. I love that. Gorlami. Uh, Dominic Adecoco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I love and I love uh, Christian. Isn't his Waltz. name Enzo Ferrari? Don't they call? It, isn't that the name they give him? Is like something? Oh, like something that? Like, like that. Some, I something can't ridiculous. Remember. Yeah. yeah, but I do love that. Uh, uh, there's a really great Christoph Waltz moment there where he. He goes like, ah, like he like as one of them oh, is giving yeah, his yeah. name, he like shakes his fist and makes a sort of like Italian man sound. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's well, he's testing he's them to see if they actually know them. Italian. Yeah, and he's making fun of like how he just like, smirks like ridiculous <laughs> they're being and they're like stereotyping Italians. It's really funny. I love the uh, and actually it's another great storytelling moment when Christoph Waltz turns himself in and says, "We're going to tell this story." Yes, yeah. And then they betray that story. Yeah. But I love his delivery of the line where he's just like, you know, you'll be you'll be arrested for this or you'll be whatever for this and he's like probably get chewed out <laughs> i've been chewed out before <laughs> like he just yeah. does not give a shit like i don't give a shit what's gonna happen to me because i fucking you're done dude <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i did it <laughs> he's very good in that get movie i think out. and i want my scalps yeah, yeah so yeah. good and i want my nazi scalps this man wants to die for his country yeah. oblige Abide him yeah. <laughs> so good yeah yeah that's like it's very good primo stuff yeah he's awesome probably his most movie. quotable role I think probably just yeah i mean and and that is you know uh probably credit to tarantino as well he, yeah he writes oh, yeah. that very quotable dialogue on that one i know he wrote for him because yeah. apparently that was like pitching it to him was i don't want to say a chore but wasn't the easiest pitch gotcha. that uh, tarantino had made yeah and like he like went to i forget he told the story but he like went to brad pitt's vineyard and uh, they like smoked hash together and drank <laughs> Brad Pitt's wine. And <laughs> finally, Brad Pitt relented. Like, all right, all right read me your this. fucking script, man. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think this would be pretty good. Yeah, that That's might cool. just also be one of those Hollywood stories of like we're there you showing go. off how famous we are. There you go. And Mythology, so, you know, mythologizing. Give me, give me your next. Oh, okay. So I didn't do this one yet. Uh, his hilariously comedic and clueless turn as Chad Feldenheimer in Burn After Reading. That's my reading. number one, baby. Oh, right I on. I'm so glad. that performance. It's so it's weird. so The shit-eating grin that he makes, but it's not even shit-eating grin. It's almost like a customer service grin. Like, how can I help you before getting shot in the fucking face? Is I, I will never not be able to picture that. He, when I'm old and senile, I can picture that frame. He is the most clueless character in any movie ever it is so good it's so funny and like he the reason i really think it's like one of his best performances is like i know that brad pitt is like a smart you know like interesting guy or whatever that performance is like he is so believably a clueless fucking idiot Who in that thinks movie he has a clue he yes. thinks he's busting the shit wide yeah, open it's well I, I guess that's every character it in is the movie. such a convincing performance that you go like is this a window into who brad pitt really is is he just a fucking lug like is he like a just a numb yeah, just skull? a total dolt who you happens know? to be brilliant and, and it's like i know that he's not you know what i mean and it's like I'm, i know that he's not but i love that in that movie he definitely a little bit knows what he looks like and mm-hmm. plays into it you know what i mean it's like he's the it's, airheaded personal yeah, trainer yeah. he's good at his job it's and so he doesn't good. have the mental capacity to think beyond that it's really really and when he tries he gets shot in the face there, there's a there are moments in that movie there's those moments where he's like on the phone having to like improvise a plan <laughs> yeah and it literally looks like there's nothing <laughs> behind his eyes no gears turning there is at all nothing yeah. i i've met that guy though i, n- I know that guy i would guy. never be able to do that if i tried yeah 
The, it's there's nothing going on. It's a pure him. acting performance. It's crazy. You don't see his yeah. craft, and yeah. that's how good his craft is. It's crazy. So funny. Yeah. And George and George I almost said George Bush, huh? George Clooney <laughs> yeah. later, just after the scene after he shoots him, just cutting the biggest pile of carrots <laughs> in in fear as his uh, abrasive wife Tilda Swinton is like trying to give him instructions. That that's like. Man, so that's good. good. That movie's great. I just when he does that, when he sees him in there, but yeah. Brad just smiles like, <laughs> yeah. "How can I help you?" You know, like I guess that's the only way out is just to be a personal trainer. And immediately has his brains violently blown against the back. Like you see it too. Yeah, it's that's just good. That's just the that's that's the tea, man. That it's is where it's at. So good. That movie is great. Yeah. That's a good movie. That movie gets better every time I watch it. That movie it. is a perfect example of why of what I love about the Coen Brothers the most is that every single one of their movies could be reworked to be either a thrilling violent drama yeah. or a goofy comedy. Yeah. Burn After Reading and No Country for Old Men have the exact same level of just misunderstandings. Blood Simple is actually probably a better example. Yes, yeah. Misunderstandings of... Uh, just people acting in their own interest and therefore digging themselves deeper in a yeah. hole. But Burn After Reading is played for comedy. Yeah. Blood Simple is played for drama. And yeah. it's the same fucking thing. And yeah. they are masters at both. So good. So good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love He's it. so funny in that. I've lost track of where we are. I have well, that was more. my number one anyway. So okay. that's it. I think Did you, you got your two? one to go. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. My number one was the moment that I knew I loved Brad Pitt. Yeah. I was watching an episode of Jackass. <laughs> and you know how they would be you know, doing things and in the corner it would say who it was. Yeah. There was one where they're all dressed as gorillas and they're just like fucking terrorizing shit, yeah. whatever it is. And one of them's like riding in a shopping cart and gets flipped over and he's labeled as Brad Pitt. Yeah. And so it's like, haha, what a goof. They're yeah. calling it Brad Pitt because they're all anonymous. At the end of the sketch, that monkey pulls his helmet off and it's Brad Pitt. And he's like laughing, having the <laughs> best time. And they're all laughing. And then that's the end of that sketch. And it's like, that was very weird. I guess they just ran into Brad Pitt or whatever. Yeah. Later in the episode, there's a scene where you know, there's like a line to get to a movie or something like that. And Brad Pitt's in the line and people are in line, like kind of recognizing yeah. him, but he's on his phone just talking. Yeah. And then a van pulls up door busts open <laughs> and a bunch of masked criminals get up and kidnap Brad yeah. Pitt. And he, and he's great. He's like, get the fuck off. Right? <laughs> ah! Like he's just really feeling it failing yeah. and stuff. And they get him in the van. Fuck you. And, slam yeah. it and drive away. And then pretty much the rest of the sketch is people on their phone. Just like, I think it, you're not gonna like Brad. I think Brad Pitt just got kidnapped <laughs> in front of me, and that's that was why they had that's him was to do that script. Yeah. And it is my favorite Brad Pitt role, yeah, because it it was the moment where I was like, he's actually doing real acting here, yeah. and it's clear he's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like he's yeah, definitely yeah. cool if he's doing yeah. this. It was so funny, yeah, and just the way he sells being kidnapped, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hilarious, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very much looking forward to Ad Astra. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, that looks good. Looks very good. And I like the idea of him getting to chew on something. Be like, we don't He's get the man. Yeah, we don't get This will be his moon. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Sam Rockwell's another one that it's like leading man. Actually, he's good. Like, I mean, prep, it's good when he's yep. leading man. Yep. He's, but really shines as a character yeah. actor. Yeah. Like, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is really Ooh, good for Sam Rockwell. So good. But Sam Rockwell as the villain in Charlie's Angels. But then there's Moon, which. You know, By the way, yeah. Brad Pitt. Also in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He is. He, he cameos plays one of as the Brad, uh, yes. Bachelor Number Two yeah. or whatever, with Matt Damon. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah, he does a couple of those where yeah. it's Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah. What was the other one? Yeah, I'll think of it. I don't know. Uh, that's a Confessions of a Dangerous that's Mind. It's like a really, really good movie. Yeah. I, we were looking up uh, pop quiz to you. Does Brad Pitt have an Oscar? No. 
Brad Pitt does have an as Oscar. As a producer? As producer of Best Picture winner yeah. 12 Years a Slave. Yes, because Annapurna is him. No. No, he's not Annapurna. Who's I, don't, Annapurna? I don't know what he is. Um, he's Brad Pitt. No, but he has a production company, and it's a good one. Yeah, I, it might be Annapurna. It but might I, be I Annapurna. Like, I feel like they're, because I know they're having issues, but that's, uh, what's her name? Yeah. No, he has a production company, and they have, like, a fucking great track record, actually, of, like, really good, interesting projects. Um, yeah, uh, like he just did If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what's his company called? I'm, I'm pulling up the, uh, the uh, IMDb. Because DiCaprio also has a production company. Yes, yes. This is put together by... Oh, shit. Where is that on uh, IMDb? IMDb? I forget. I don't know. Maybe in the, I don't know, full cast. Let's Google group? what is Brad Pitt's yeah. production company. Like what is Brad Pitt's production company? Plan B Entertainment. Oh, Plan B is him. Plan B for Brad. <laughs> Brad Plan. Plan B. But yeah, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he does here. have an Oscar, just not for acting. Yeah. So he is there. Oh, so they departed, 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. Moonlight, Beale Street. Yep. Uh, oh, so they do have production deals with Annapurna. Okay. Uh, formerly with New Regency, Rat Pack, Paramount, Warner Brothers. Yep. Man, they have a lot. Troy, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Departed, yep. Running with Scissors, Year of the Dog, Mighty Heart, Assassination of Jesse James, yep. The Private Lives of Pippa Lee. Everyone loves it. <laughs> Time Traveler. And then the 2010s, Kick-Ass, Wow, yeah. Eat, Pray, Love, Tree of Life, Moneyball, Killing Himself through World War Z. Oh, Selma, 12 Years a Slave, yep. True Story, Big Short. I'm going to start. Oh, Oksha. Oh, yeah. I'm skipping through stuff. No, that's Vice, good. Last Black Man in San Francisco. And upcoming is like Ad Astra and yep. a whole bunch more. Yeah. Yeah, he actually has like a, I think, a pretty good uh, track record uh, uh, with his production company. Did the OA on Netflix? Yeah. Nice. Feud yeah. on FX? Oh, yeah. Into it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think Oscar. I'm definitely a pick guy over DiCaprio guy, it turns out. I think so, too. Which is no shade to either of those actors. Mm. I like them both a lot. They do I like different them both things. together. Their yeah. chemistry in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is really, Very really good. easy and and. I would like works. to see them work together again, because I liked that quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, it was good. Mm. And I'm glad I got to rewatch uh, Jackie Brown for this, dude. So good. Max Cherry Max is one of the Cherry. best characters that I've ever seen. Max, I never figured you for a Delphonics guy. It, they're pretty good. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so good. Amazing. Jackie, come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, this guy. You can't talk about Robert Forster without getting into Robert Forster talk. Uh-huh. He's a, which crocodile was he in? One or two? Two. Yeah, because he was he was another one who was just two. like yep. a guy who did B movies and Tarantino. Yep. Yep. I still have to see Out of Sight, which is part of Out the of Ray great. Nicoletta uh, extended cinematic universe great. based around uh, Michael Keaton yep. as Detective Ray Nicoletta. Dude, see that movie. It's so I would good. like to. Now that I'm fresh on Jackie Brown too, that and that's like Soderbergh. The more and more I watch of him, the more and more I realize like he's one of the greats. Soderbergh is tapped into something out of sight is really good and there is a scene i'll call it the rooftop dinner that is exceptional ah, it's own. you'll love it it's so good i have to do a lot of laundry today maybe today is the day that i will watch that it's a fun movie too yeah, it's yeah. like you know it's elmore leonard it's yeah. it's a pretty fun like crime case. i miss clooney man i feel like i haven't Dude, seen him in yeah. anything and he's like the last Silver time Fox, i can think baby, is gravity him. where he was a space cowboy and that was great i think he did that netflix movie that i didn't watch Maybe. 
I don't know. Was he a general in something? No, that was Brad Pitt. War Machine. It was Brad Pitt. Yeah, that was War Machine. So but he is on Catch Twenty Two right now, doing exactly that. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. Hulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see more of him. I really like Clooney. I know, I love Clooney. Clooney's a lot of fun. Yeah. One of my favorite pieces of Clooney trivia that might be apocryphal, I don't know, uh-huh. is that he was staying in a hotel and didn't really want to be bothered down at the bar, but really wanted to uh, tie one on. Yeah. So he bought the Guinness tap so it could be brought to his room. He called That's the so bar funny. and purchased it out from under them <laughs> and got the Guinness tap That's brought so to his funny. room. <laughs> love it. Which, BT dubs, it is true what they say. Uh, in the UK, Guinness does taste a little bit different. Oh, right. I was not in Dublin, but I was in the UK, and as I understand it, it. Uh, I mean, I was in Dublin for a layover, but uh, it it doesn't. They don't have to uh, pasteurize it because it doesn't have to go as far, and okay. thus it's different. I wouldn't say it's better or worse. Sure, Just but you can noticeably taste di- it's, it's still very good, yeah. but noticeably a little bit different. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Neat. Love it. Well, I'm glad to have you back, buddy. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Fun time. And we'll come back in a couple weeks. I don't know with what, but we'll we'll start getting our schedule sorted. Yeah, we're going to get a schedule sort- hmm. sorted. Get our guests together yeah. once we sort the schedule. Yes. And that will be a thing to behold. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be real exciting. fun. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, we should have like, you know, if you think about it, we're probably not that far from end of year list. We're going to have to do end of decade lists. Like oh, we got God. we got some fun stuff coming up. That is, it was funny too when I said like, oh, this might make my end of decade list. Yeah. And Jacob in our group text yeah. is like, I, I like don't even want to think about end yeah. of decade list, bro. Feel you. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I totally don't either. I have no. I've been but dreading that since moment one, and I can't wait to do it, and yeah. I can't wait for it to be over. It's, I know. Like, exactly. it's everything. Yep. I just want to do. But maybe it'll be a good excuse to catch up on some stuff, watch yeah. some stuff I haven't watched in a while. I think I know what my number one is. All right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll straight up tell you, I, I don't think anything's going to top Swiss Army Man. Oh, I have okay. never had a movie be more on brand with what yeah. I want out of life and movies. That's just That's the why way it is. keeps going to Mad Max Fury Road for very similar reasons. I don't think there's any denying that whether it makes my subjest- subjective list, yeah. the objective list would be ridiculous if it didn't have it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like a, a, like a tidal wave. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just yeah. how it's done. Yeah. Knockout. All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Philadelphia. That's with an F. I review every single movie I watch on Letterboxd. And I'm on uh, Cinema76.com. I just reviewed Love Antosha there. Check that out. Uh, and uh, Farsightedblog.com, where I uh, have a whole series about Herschel Gordon Lewis's like first, I don't know, 15 or 16 movies uh, called of Splatter Matters. 57. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah. Uh, check that out. Uh, at Dan Scully on all of those things, Twitter, uh, Letterboxd. All that fun stuff. I always fuck up when I get to this point. Uh, Cinema76, Findy.com, and uh, and uh, great podcast. I like to movie movie uh-huh. that I do. Yeah. Also, which... I was on a podcast recently, uh, the amazing Zoomar. It's uh, oh. I f- Now I forget what it is. I'm gonna p- I'll put a link up because now I'm forgetting the title. Yeah. Where it was before having seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we went through the overrated, underrated of Tarantino's oh, yeah. filmography. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it. We had a really good conversation. And uh, you should definitely check that out. I'll, I'll, I'll point you to it. I was on uh, Shame Files recently. Oh, right on. Uh, for both Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yes. 50-whatever, and Invasions of the Body Snatchers, 70-whatever, uh, with Tori. And uh, it was super fun. Nice. Check nice. That out yeah, check there. it out. And yeah. check that, that show anyway. Yeah. Good shit. Uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, Dan and I are both in the latest issue of Movie John. Yes, I just finally got my hands yeah. on it. Go to uh, moviejohn.com. Uh, it's a print movie zine. Uh, they also have a blog. Uh, I wrote some haikus about uh, road trip movies. You can get a double dose of movie movie on yes. one page. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. Yep. I have a piece about Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yep. And in that piece of Pee-wee's Big Adventure 
is a road trip haiku from Garrett. Yes. So it's a movie movie smackdown, and it's like a beautiful splash it's page. Great. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. I so definitely check it out. In there. There's also a little thing about uh, our podcast in there as well. Yes, yes. I saw nice. that. Uh, what was the... Uh, there was something that you referenced in it that I was like, I never would have thought of that, but correct. Oh, I don't uh, even know. Something that you recommended on behalf of both of us. Yeah. And I was like, that's the right answer. Uh, okay. I never would have come up with that. <laughs> that's the correct answer. We'll have to review. Yeah, I forget what it was, uh, but yeah. So definitely check them out. Check Moviejohn.com. Moviejohn.com. J-A-W-N. The Philly I, spell. I texted Rosalie earlier in the week. I was like, oh, can you bring my uh, copy of that? Because like, yeah. we just keep forgetting to coordinate yeah. uh, to, to the audition thing. And I was like, I honestly just thought of that because I was at work thinking about Pee-wee rather than working. <laughs> and then it occurred to me how common of an occurrence that is. I wasn't working. I was just thinking about Pee-wee. And I was like, oh, I wrote about Pee-wee. Oh, I got to get a copy of that. <laughs> so, yeah, Pee-wee on the brain. Hell, yeah. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like to movie. movie.